What's up? Welcome, everybody. We are back. Vibrant. It's uh, been a week, two weeks since we did one. I was out of town, so I'm really excited to be here with you live and direct. And we've got the great Slick Dissident, of course, as always, running co-pilot and Dylan Sakosio here to hang out for this convo about fitness and uh, manliness and how to not become a fruit-booted gamma troll. Very important stuff. And our man of the hour for at least an hour, we got Pat, Pat of the Pat Life Podcast, who you may have seen my recent appearance on his show, and uh, he does really great things over there. I'm like keeping a close eye on his content because there's a lot of guests that I think I need to start poaching. <laughs> so uh, we're here to talk about Pat's work. He does a lot with clients and uh, fitness and mental training and how to be in the now and really very in line with the biofield tuning type stuff like that your body has all the information of your emotional and uh, spiritual self ready to be communicated to if you're willing to listen and go through the dissonance and the dissonance and uh, find your way. So, uh, yeah, what's up, gentlemen? How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me and uh, excited to be on this convo with all you guys. So it's going to be a fun one. We're going to have a, a good time. Yeah, buddy. So, uh, Dylan, how you been? Good, man. I'm just uh, almost done editing this bad boy. Pat, cramp those bitch tits. I don't want to see them leaking on the screen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just... Uh, just, uh, I just wanted to come on and hang out with you guys. Cause now everyone's like kind of so busy, you know, Pat's got dad duty. So anytime we get a chance to kind of just kick it and I don't have to have any pressure, I was here in an instant, but, um, actually, I don't know if Pat's ready to take clients for this, or I don't know if you want me to plug this, but Pat is a uh, really good, he has like this software that where, where like you go do certain movements in like a field and it'll show like your whole body's alignment and stuff. And like, I did this with him. Uh, over the summer and you know saw like how because of the way I was walking my arches were collapsing in my feet which was causing issues like with alignment with all the way up to like my back and like it's just it's pretty wild so I think uh, if you get a chance to get them talking about that subject you should and uh, howdy to everybody here Gabe nice to meet you finally and I think I was on like one other stream with you when I had a freaking helmet for like two that seconds. That was awesome. I remember that. You showed up with the gladiator helmet. That was so spot on, man. You got that stuff just ready to go around the corner, huh? You know it. <laughs> a sword within arm's reach, yeah. Uh, Pat, that's a great opener. Like, let's talk about that software. Is that something that you're offering or just experimenting with this weirdo on or what? Uh, no. So, uh, just kind of quick backstory. So, uh, been trainer for 10 years, over 10 years, uh, been through the B system and a lot of these, uh, big gyms. And ultimately, you know, you have to go through all these certifications in order to, uh, basically maintain your license or your certification rather. Uh, so every single one I've done up into more recently has just been just trying to keep up with it, you know, just, so I don't, uh, lose my license and, you know, in order to stay at these gyms. Um, but recently, uh, because of my buddy who's, you know, you guys know Rob Edwards, he's here. He, he drew my attention to this, uh, this company called Goda. Now, some people have their opinions on it. You know, they like where it's going. Uh, I don't agree with everything, but they get to the heart of understanding the, uh, the sacred geometry in the body. 
And that really drew my attention. They really caught my eye. And then, and, and Rob brought it to my attention and he was like, dude, you should go check this out. So I just like anything, I did another deep dive and I started to see exactly what they were saying. And, you know, with nine, 10 years at the time of questions and things that I couldn't connect dots to, cause I wasn't sure why, uh, everything in like a flash moment just was like, and it all made so much sense. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, I need to do this. So I, I got through their certification, uh, willingly. And it was one of those things that through their certification, they use, uh, they can use many apps, but the one they use is called OnForm. And with OnForm, as Dylan was uh, mentioning before, is I, I would take people through an assessment. And within that assessment, I'm looking through, basically, do you have any sort of uh, limitations in your movement? But I'm looking for specific things. And we can talk about the, the sacred geometry aspect here soon. Um, but it's not mine. It's not, uh, something I created. It's just already out there. We just use this, this program, this uh, app that allows us to just do that. We slow everything down and I can zoom in and see exactly like, look, this is where, you know, basically the sacred geometry is not applying and you're not utilizing that. Let's now focus on using that as we, uh, as we move forward. So, uh, in a nutshell, that's what he's getting after, but you know, we can dive more into that as we go on. Well, yeah, that's maybe not your invention or something, but you've got the knowledge and experience to help someone actually and know what to do to correct what this diagnostic tool shows as being off, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and what's and I was talking actually to I talk a lot of to a lot of people on my show as well about this, but I was actually said uh, Dr. Andy Kaufman on this morning, and one of the things we were talking about, um, it, well, at least for with me, was saying. What's great about this is, is we start to in, in trying to get people to think about like, you know, Dylan's books and the things that you guys are talking about. If somebody who's not privy to that or they're not ready to accept that information, you know, you're kind of just talking to a decent audience. Right. And that's and that's great. Everyone here is awesome. It's so fun to be able to have these deeper conversations. But, you know, we know a lot of people who, again, aren't awake to this. What I'm doing I truly believe among other things like what you're doing as well, Chance, is it's allowing people who are questionable about all of it and won't even hear it. It gives them a chance to go, okay, I've had like, this is all true, by the way, everything I'm telling you, a 76 year old uh, client who was like, I've had sciatica for 45 years. You've been with me for two hours and I don't feel it anything. It's been months and she's still saying, I don't have any pain. What did you do? And for me, it's going, this is somebody who I know is not open-minded to, I can't sit there and be like, so do you want to talk about Ram, Ram, Ram? Like, I can't do that with her. Like she wouldn't, she would be like, you're a nut job. And I go, you shouldn't talk to Dylan then. You're not ready. But you just went like hyper autistic for a second. Oh, I know, dude. That's how I roll, dude. I got a little bit in me, man. But what's cool is, is that opens the door for her to be like, what are you doing? And then I can talk about sacred geometry. I can talk about the natural spirals in nature. I can start to open these things and people are not going like me, like, okay. They're going, no, no, no. I, f- I feel better. Like I feel different in a way that's something I haven't felt before. And it's not anything I'm doing. Like I'm saying, Pat, I'm going over them like, oh, it's just purely like we're getting back to nature. That's all we're doing. 
So it's, it's really fun for me because it's going, I feel like I'm like, I always consider it like, I'm like the, the highway drug, like the, I'm like weed to people doing like harder drugs of like conspiracy or like deeper dives into things where they're like, uh, man, I, you know, I just did this one workout with Pat and now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, listening to Vibrant 24 seven and I just, I think I'm getting great flat. overlooked. What the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, I went in for a consultation and now I'm walking out thinking the earth is flat. What just happened to me? So I thought I, 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 I thought I was just fixing it in my back. I didn't know that we never went to the moon. I, I was sure that I went to the moon. It, it's a hundred percent. I mean, I would be lying if that didn't get brought into some of the conversations I've had with clients that I've been with for a long time, but, uh, but it is, it, it, you know, it's, it's always a fun time, but anyway, yeah. So we, we get into some really deep stuff. And as you were saying earlier, it's about the mindset and understanding how important that is. And, you know, I know with Dylan's work and what you guys talk about, you know, you're always hearing about, um, you know, the, the encodings of the spine and, you know, the cerebral spinal fluid being the, uh, the, the anointed, you know, all that stuff. So it becomes this whole, uh, understanding it, not from that esoteric side, but actually the physical movement side. And I want to try to be like, how does this make sense to people? So, um, you do monk sing over people, Pat don't, okay. Maybe I do a little bit, but it's only, I, uh, I usually wait till someone's a little bit more open to it. And then I hit them with, uh, you know, a sharp C, Hit them with the B flat if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling loose that day. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's always what I do. So, but anyway, we can dive into whatever you guys want to explore. No, I love this. Your gateway drug to people <laughs> in oh, a good dude. way because, you know, what I do, they already have to be pretty acquainted with woo to at least be open to like some guy across the world waving tuning forks around in the, his living room. <laughs> like that that's going to do anything. <laughs> well, so, well, and that's the thing. And that's what I love about it is it's because it's, it's seeing a benefit in what you're doing, understanding exactly what you're doing. But ultimately it's like, I'm and not panning your balls. <laughs> Dude, <it's, laughs> Dude, I swear by it. I swear by it. Dude, I, I was going to say, I, I haven't gone full full on that one yet, but uh, I can see that uh, there is benefit to that. And just uh, the vi- the visual of you guys just like doing that as like a like a team bonding experience and being like, this is nice. This is a good. Are you guys enjoying this? I feel like I'm, really I'm not bonding. on sunning the butthole yet. I don't think I'm going to go that far because it seems like it's concealed for a reason. It doesn't need sun, but the balls, you know, all day if you can. Dude, I was going to say, man, just living, living, living life, letting it all uh, just get that fresh sun, getting that vibe, that energy. So, but yeah, man, uh, was to say, I mean, what do you guys want to dive into, man? Because I, I, I can take this in a million different directions. Well, I think it'd be cool because, like you said, a million different directions, right? I think it'd be cool to talk about maybe uh, some examples of success story with a, with more clients, and that way we can kind of see like what individual pathways look like and how you customize what you're teaching and showing them for what they need. For sure. Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, maybe try it this way. Cause I'll do exactly that. But, um, for those who are listening or will listen, um, I'll do it in real time in just assessing people without actually seeing anybody. It'll be just all question based. So the first thing I'll, I'll ask people is going, okay, anyone who's listening to this, I want you to, before we do anything else, just wait, look. wait, Pat, Pat, do you, can you see the chat? Uh, I Rob, see. Rob Edward has a good question that after this, you got to. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I see it. Pat, can you touch on your opinion of merging actual weight training and heavy lifting? 
look at you, Dylan, and go to principles because some days I just want to go left. Yeah, I was going to talk about that today too. And that's uh, part of what I said. I don't fully agree on everything. So I'll start with the question then. Okay, so this uh, understanding the GOTA, they're very much about understanding the natural spirals of the body. These uh, pressure waves is what they all call them. And with a lot of that, they use certain words that we can talk more about of like understanding what it means to be back chain dominant. Um, understanding what it means to be inside ankle bones high, feet forward, understanding what it means to work through this 22.5 pressure wave all the way to the other side. It's just basically sending energy from one side to another. Yeah, all, all of those terminologies, I think most of us will want to know what you mean by that. And I, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll get to all that. I'm just kind of giving a quick brief overview. These are the basically the fundamental elements, the principles of what this GOTA system is. So ultimately, and this goes back to what I was saying about everyone listening, I want you to just first look at your feet. I want you to see where are your feet facing, first and foremost. If you're standing, if you're sitting, where do your feet comfortably, naturally want to rest? Now, most people, is they're going to look down, they're going to look at their feet, they're going to probably see their feet splayed out like this. Or if you're sitting in a chair, you're going to feel yourself sitting back. Your hips are going to want to roll underneath and you're going to want to fall to a side or fall to another side. So I know I'm getting away from my mic, but you're going to feel a lot of people want to do this slouching. When I'm talking about. Go I, I, I want to make a point. Uh, we're initiating at the gates. We're starting at the feet. It's the J and the B, the Joachim and the Boaz. The one to the two is a foot. These are the metrics we're initiating at the feet. I just got to say it, dude, I got to point it out. And this is exactly what I've been, you guys, for those who don't know any of this stuff, look up Adam Kadmon, K-A-D-M-O-N. Yeah. See this, this is what I love about what we're doing. I know this is a little sidetracked, but it's not really what you guys bring helps me with your work listening to you guys, reading what you guys are putting out, it helps me so much with what I'm doing because it, it actually allows me to connect these dots to a much more, uh, you know, greater level. So even though I'm still like fresh comparatively to you guys, it's such a good learning experience because as I'm learning what I'm doing, I'm also, you know, engaged in, in trying to comprehend everything you guys are putting down and all these dots will connect even more. And that's what makes it so fun for me. And one of the big revelations I had is, is when you understand the foot in wording, and I know we've talked about this, Dylan, uh, is that when you have your big, your big toe, the bone itself is called the hallux bone. Now, hal, hail, breath, lux, light, the breath of light or breath and light, however you want to look at it. And what's in, interesting about it is that majority of us, when we have our feet splayed out, and we're collapsing those arches, now understanding something here. When you see the, the body going through motion, you're going through your arch. You're literally going from the ball, or the, the, the hallux, the ball of the foot, through the arch as you fall back onto your heels. We literally just went through the season, through Is every... little royal arch? Yep, as, as you go through every step that you take. If you're moving through your arches, if you're moving through your natural Gabe, God-given you need to arch- calm down over there and stop squirting in the background. Say I can see the screen is about to, yeah, it's fogging up. <laughs> but what's fascinating about it is, is most people today will tell you they have collapsed arches. So understanding what does that mean? 
on a much greater level is, is when you have those collapsed arches, now let's work up the body here. When the feet want to splay out and these arches collapse, what it's doing is it's creating a toroidal, an internal toroidal tension that's causing knees to collapse, knee causing this, what we call a valgus knee, like a collapsed knee. When they all collapse, what's going to naturally happen is because your spine, right? It has its natural, we're working up the system now. The spine, the sacrum, the lumbar, which is the lower back, they have those natural curves for a reason. But what's happening is, is when you're collapsing your arches, that lower back will start to do this. It will curl underneath you. So everybody right now sitting with their hips tucked underneath them is feeding that compression into your lower back. But it's coming from the feet. It's coming from that lack of arch in the foot. It's coming from the lack of stability in literally the arc. So what becomes interesting is, is as you work up the system, you can also work down the system. So talking about the hallux, the breath of light, what are you doing when you breathe through your nose? You're literally breathing in the spirit. You're breathing in life. Most people don't breathe through their nose. They breathe through their mouth, which is causing this protrusion or a tuck jaw, depending on who you are, where it's now you're not getting any airflow through here, which is creating a vortex which is what I'm all about vortexes, and we can go into all this, is that it creates this jaw or it creates this function, which is causing a lot of this tension here. We can literally work up and down the body this way. So all this tension that starts to create here is supporting this, which is supporting the hips driving forward. So it's like, if you think of a battery here, it's two sides of this battery that aren't working the way they should. And again, I can keep going on, but ultimately what we're seeing is when you're not moving through the arch, you're going to see without fail how it works up the system and how it works down the system. So everyone right now who's doing this or listening to what I'm saying, they might go, yeah, you know, I noticed my hips drive under or, oh yeah, I noticed my feet are splayed out or yeah, I really am. I am a mouth breather. Now I can sit there and saying, well, I can't say with certainty, I'd have to work with people individually or what I did with uh, Dylan, where I took him through slow motion video seeing how he moves, but I can make a, a fair guess that I can pr- tell you what's mostly going on issue wise. And we can start to it look at embarrassing, things. but you can use it if you want, you can show people the, for conceptual, like whenever you want. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can definitely show it. Yeah. I just don't have it queued up here, but it's and what's interesting is, is that a lot of people don't even realize they're doing this. Um, this is what makes the, the conversation so fascinating for me is because there's such a disconnect of the body. And this is not to jump around too much, but this is where the alchemy comes in and understanding the salt and the oil and that mercury state and all that jazz is that so many people aren't in their salt. They're not in their body. And I know this with certainty because I've literally had conversations with dozens of people where I go, all right, put your weight on your front foot. Do you feel your front foot? And they'll look at me without, I'm not making this up. They'll go, and I go, what, what, what are you thinking about? What's up there? Look at like, is it in your foot? And they'll go, oh yeah, yeah. And they'll look down at their foot. So it's fascinating because I've seen it time, time again. It's like, you're not in the body. You don't know where you feel. I say, Hey, where did you feel it? And they have no idea. They go, I don't know. So you just moved for the last minute or 30, 40 seconds. And you have no idea where you felt it. I guess I wasn't thinking about it. So it just lets me know is, is that there's such a disconnect to our salt, our body. Um, yeah. Right. They're, they're, uh, mistaking thinking for feeling. Actually, I wasn't thinking about it. Well, feeling is not thinking. 
you know, stop thinking for a moment and feel. It's uh, it's all over 100%. the place. I'm noticing the maybe possibly the core as if there is an essence or like a center of the inversion fractal. It is the way that in all dimensions of scale, micro and macro language is being put before reality, which is descriptions uh, are being put before feelings, <laughs> things like that. You know, it's like that's the chief inversion. And to the point where you know the map is the terrain now, the terrain is completely ignored. That, and that leads you to the metaverse. Ultimately, <laughs> the, the final stop is the metaverse. Exactly. And, and to, to your point, especially about the thinking and feeling what we've been, uh, and I don't know if it's nefarious. I can't make this claim, but with the, the fitness industry now, it's become so, uh, focused and centered around getting people to go, I'm doing a bicep curl. Therefore, I'm in bicep day. I'm doing chest today. Therefore, it's chest day. And that you can, those, those ranges of motion obviously are conducting a lot of that, but what it's doing is it's giving people a cushion of going, I did biceps today. Therefore I got my workout in and I can assure you the amount of people I worked with, they go, Hey, I did this today. And I go, did you feel it there? And they go, yeah, not really. And it's just going, okay, let me, let me try to understand this. Then if you didn't really feel it, did you do it? Well, I, I did squats uh, you know, I did, I did leg presses, I did lunges, but you know, I didn't really, like, I mean, my legs, I mean, maybe cause I'm getting stronger. Okay. Well, where did you feel it? Dude, my back was screaming. Okay. So hold on a second. Now you're telling me you felt your back. You didn't really feel it in your legs and it was leg day from what it sounds like from your logic, it was back day. Am I right here? And a lot of people will go, well, no, I mean, I moved through my legs and it's like, and what analogy I always use is uh, to show people is I'll put my hand if I'm at them in person and I'll put my hand on their, their shoulder and I'll put it and I'll extend it out and I'll go, okay, if anyone walks by right now, do they know if I'm pushing really, really hard into you? And they're like, I mean, not really. So then I'll push really hard before they notice and you'll see them go and they'll like push back into me to meet my force. And I go, now do you think they know? And they go, I guess if they see my face. I guess they can see. And I go, no, this is the difference. Someone's walking by. I can be doing the same thing. I'm not changing. It's how you change. Now I'm the floor. I don't know how much tension you're putting into it. No one else in this room does except you. The only way we'll know is, is how you respond. So this is the types of things I start to teach people is being present with the body, being aware of everything, feeling what they are feeling. And then as we start to grow and really get into the alchemy of it, really, I start to in, in, in give them an understanding of basic alchemy because I'm nowhere near uh, professional at it. I just know the basics of the body aspect is then going, now we can direct it. That's where people start to go, holy, holy moly, man, this is insane. Because what we can be doing is, is I can say, hey, we're doing a, a, let's just say, you know, squat. And you're going, dude, my biceps are screaming right now. Did you want to put it there? Yes. Well, there you go. Or, hey, we're doing a pull-up and I feel it in my calves. Did you want to put it there? No. Okay, put in your hamstrings. Whoa, my hamstrings are screaming right now. Hold it. Don't go. Stay in it. And this is what gets really fascinating is now people go, dude, I was doing a back workout and I felt my hamstrings working with my glute into my back and I felt no pain in my shoulder. How did we do that? And this is where it gets fascinating is because we 
are now in control of the vessel. We are in the driver's seat once again. We're re we're reclaiming through movement, through stress, through alchemy, the physical body. And that's where it gets really fascinating because then you start incorporating the breath and all that stuff. So does that make sense? I know I just ranted there. No, we're here for it, man. I'm over here just thinking like, I got to work with you like long-term, <laughs> not even a little bit. I, I would love to do some big transformations on the way that I carry myself and the level of awareness. I, I mean, it's something I've worked on throughout my life, but I remember in my early adulthood when it struck me how disconnected I really was and how just like klutzy, spazzy <laughs> out there I was. It yeah. was like, shit. it almost felt like too much to get over. Like, yeah, it was huge. And, um, you know, energy movement practices, Qigong, I harp on it all the time, but like that was the real transformative first big step for me that I stopped stubbing my toes on things whenever I started doing that. You know, I started putting my attention into my body at different points, but I still have a long way to go. I mean, and in terms of the working out just one area of the body and be like, I did my workout for the day. Yeah, I totally could use all kinds of uh, upgrades in my strategy for exercise. So we'll talk outside of this. I want to probably hire you, actually. Uh, Guys, do you have any observations or questions to throw to Pat? Well, I would just say is like, um, I'd give anything. Like I learned about stuff, like my priorities of what I learned about is absolute trash. because I was around, I didn't know what I was around in Hollywood and I knew it was dark. So I had to spend all my time figuring that shit out. But if I could go back in time, I would have learned about health and this stuff before anything, because without your health, nothing else matters. Not a goddamn thing. All your money, everything, your status, nothing. If you don't have your health, kiss it all goodbye. Well, what I real quick to your point, Dylan, and I'm 100 on in lockstep with you on that is that you also, you know, if you know, we continue to do stuff, and I'm happy to continue to help you, brother. Um, it realizes it doesn't take much, and this is the beautiful thing about it: it doesn't take much. A lot of this healing journey for a lot of us is such um, it's an outsourcing thing, as we already know. But it's just going, I need to know how to channel that inner focus of self and knowing what it is that I'm actually trying to achieve here. And when we do that, you realize what you're doing when you do certain things like in regards to like with you, Dylan, I know you have like your, your hip, your, I believe it's your right hip, right? Just screams, like giving you just pains. It's just knowing, okay, that's a communication when we can understand and it's really the Catholic hip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, seriously, the the right hip is about guilt-driven overdoing it and over-pushing yourself because of feeling guilty if you don't get productive enough. It's the guilty hip. Anyway, I mean, in the bio field, uh, that's usually what... There's more information than that, but that's the most common thing going on with the right hip. It depends on front or back, but guilt-driven overdoing it is a big... is usually the main culprit. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Well, what's interesting about what you just said there is that when I... um, when I train people for as long as I have, I see like everyone else, I see patterns. Uh, one of the biggest patterns I see is uh, talking about rotation and everything else is that when people will go into a squat and Dylan, I saw it. Um, I, I'm going to venture to say that both of you probably have it to some degree and it's not a bad thing. 
is that most people, when they go into a squat, what you'll see is that there's a shift this way. So the right hip is driving back where that right shoulder is pulling back to the left goes forward. And it goes without fail with when I would say probably 90% of the population is that what we'll see if you're going to, you know, taking what you've brought to the table, uh, chance is that majority of people are dependent on that part of their right hip because they're with a collapsed arch and everything else. So there's so much dependency on that right hip. Um, and it, as this is happening and all this is going out of place, we're also seeing that right knee is collapsing. So really that inner right thigh for a lot of people, also a lot of people, their right knee, I mean, it's both knees, but a lot of people have inner, like uh, what we call an MCL tear is pretty common in the right knee uh, more than the left. Uh, ACL tear specifically as well with the right knee happens more. Um, so you're seeing because of the collapse of the arch in the right foot, all this stuff, that right hip is taking on a lot of people's front forces of their, just their everyday moves, the way they sit, the way they collapse into the right side, it's taking on a lot of tension and it's not attention that's dispersed. It's very isolated tension. So as you said that there's a communication that is happening there a lot of times in that right hip. So yeah, people are prone to putting their weight more on their right foot. It's a left brained society. So people are more dependent on, um, masculine energy, product, productive energy, not very receptive or let things happen or good at letting things go. And in terms of uh, the toroidal field, the energy field of the body, one of the first things I do for clients in a session is I find the top and the bottom holes of the donut. And especially on bottom, more commonly on bottom, but a lot of times top and bottom, the, uh, well, basically the, these holes of the toroidal field where the energy is cycling in and out from the middle, the donut holes float around and get off, got off balance. We want them to be about a foot, maybe 14 inches below the feet in between them aligned with the spine above the crown aligned with the spine. And people's tend to be under the uh, bridge, the arch of their right foot is where it usually hangs out. So like energetically, even (laughs) people are, and it's consistent. Like, uh, I put the fork there, my ears pop, and I feel that the pressure gradient differential change there of the the electricity or whatever. And it's like, bam, right there all the time between the the middle of the the right foot. Like people are leaning on that, and it's very systemic to our society. You want to hear something wild? And you guys can make fun of me for this, but there's some to it because I've observed this everywhere I've gone. So, like, I went to school in a place called Hempstead. New York, uh, it's like ghetto as fuck. Like one of my roommates came home one day and like everybody was tied up like gunshots, like very common for like dangerous people and stuff. And, um, I've noticed like, you know, there's that saying where it's like, if you want to be left alone, when people look at you, they need to think like, that's not easy prey. And it isn't, I, I really have noticed that as a, a pattern in men to walk with your feet this way, because it looks like you're walking like more badass. Whereas if you walk with your feet straight or pigeon toed, you, that's more of like a feminine, uh, I don't, I hate to say that, but it looked like women are more likely to walk pigeon toed than men. And I think there's something to just like, well, it's like, yeah, it's like yin and yang. And you're over leaning on the yang too much. I'm a badass, but the reason I'm bringing this up is I can, would be straight. 
Yeah. The reason I'm bringing this up is I can remember making a conscious decision to walk scarier and look at, you know, stare people down, looking at them like, I will fuck you up if you want to get this thing going to, to not be jumped, to not, you know what I mean? You got to make it expensive for people. And I think there's something you see that with like a lot of gangbangers and shit. They walk, especially in like LA, they, they, their pants sagging and shit and they're fucking, they're wicked far apart with the way they walk, you know? Well, to, you know, not to, um, I'm not going to make fun of you. Uh, you're just, you're just gay. Um, but not just kidding. Um, but it, it is, uh, it is interesting that you bring that up. Don't make my dime piece start commentating in the chat, bro. <laughs> Don't want none of that. Yeah. I'll get her wanna, on here. Uh, but when, when you, what's your point is, like you said, a lot of these, uh, you know, like a thug mindset is the pants are down realistically, subconsciously, everyone knows, or at least should know if those pants are that far down, they can't move quickly. There is no moving quickly. Their pants are literally hindering their movement pattern, right? So that's just a, at a subconscious level, you know, even a conscious level. And I get your point. And that's the thing is, is maybe it's, it's personified that way. And I, you know, you protect yourself. But the thing is, is when you have somebody who, who knows their foundation and isn't walking with this, like, like, you know, like walking in that way, but is walking stoically because they can actually engage what we'd call a back chain position. They're not like this. They're not slouched, but they're in a back chain position. And when they need to get into a front chain, they're, they're powerful here. And this is something that I talk about all the time. There's a difference between me being here and me owning here. If I don't own this position, that doesn't, it comes across. If I'm here and I'm sitting here and we're having, you know, a, a scuff and I'm standing here and I have my feet underneath me, and I'm controlled and I'm staying in my posture and you're saying, all right, let's go. And so all of a sudden you see me get into a stance where now I'm here and I have this availability to be here with, with, with confidence and with control. Subconsciously, someone's going, shit, this guy is not, not messing around. And, uh, and this is important, at least when you understand, again, we talk about holding posture and this is where the energy talking, what you talk a lot about chance and, uh, Gabe, and even as we, you too, Dylan, is that when you understand, when you have the availability of what we call you, the middle of your back, the thoracic spine, this rotation, this oscillation available, when you have the 3d motion, the rotation of your shoulder, your neck, your Again, your, your gyroscope of your spine here as well. When you have that rotation of your hip as well as your ankle, what you've done now is, is you've created toroidal feel after toroidal feel working as one symbiote, like a symbiosis. And now the whole body is letting off that projection of energy. And that's because you can hold yourself with confidence with this posture that's not in a feministic way like you're not giving off that it's like when you see like the the roman people like or like in the movies when you see someone stand there now they might splay out i get it but when you understand someone who can have their foundation their connection to the earth the salt and they're standing there and they you know they got their spear and they're like or like a rugby player and they're like oh like you're going this guy is not someone to mess with because you are literally giving off that energy of not just, oh, I'm trying to be intimidating, but it's going, my body can support whatever's about to come. I have the ranges of motion that are available. Like you see guys who are like big, but they move like this. And you're like, dude, that guy can't turn left to save his life. Like he has no rotation. He's not as intimidating as he looks. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's, it, it's, it's, I get, I totally get what you're saying, Dylan. And I, and I, and I can see in well, the, the pants thing is like fashion, but the, the, no, I wasn't talking about is, the pants. I was just, that thing. was just something that, that happened. Like, it just, like it, when you look at like the cholos and shit in Los Angeles, yeah. that's just what came to mind. You it was, know, it was like, a turn on like, for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. okay. I gotta throw in some syncretism of the thoracic section of the spine. It's the middle twelve vertebra, and we know the spine associations with Jesus. Did you say right? Thor? It's thoracic. It's Asa Thor. Asa Thor. Asa it's Lord Thor, Thor <laughs> who is another one of the Son of God Savior characters. So, you know, it's the middle twelve. That's the the middle of the thirty three, the middle twelve, the twelve signs of the zodiac, the thoracic. Yeah, interesting. Well, what's also furthermore, it's in the too, book. He's getting out of the book. You're muted though, homie. Understand? This is the new one. This is not out yet. Take a right. screenshot of that bitch. I can get it big. Make you big there. All yeah, right. that's gonna be uh, some Phoenician origins of Thor. For all those pappy-minded fools who want to think that the Norse pantheon doesn't come from Italians. Enjoy. It's going to slaughter everybody. <laughs> just fired. not watching. <laughs> I mean, dude, we were just talking about today how, I mean, they already had Thor in Egypt. It was Hathor, the golden right. Thor, Athor. Right. Yeah. I wasn't saying that. Like, nobody triggered me to say that. I was just having fun. <laughs> I haven't watched anybody's content in like three weeks, guys. I've been like in a freaking <laughs> fire. That's awesome. So there are some good comments. Let me make sure I didn't lose this one. Uh, Lucas wanted to know if flexibility improves with these alignment changes. Oh, let me unmute you. Or oh, you got to unmute yourself there, dude. Uh, yeah. So understanding too, like flexibility, uh, it's just another name, but it's really mobility, um, mobility and stability. It's all, it all becomes the one in reality not to be size grading, but like flexibility, most people are talking about is a passiveness, meaning like I can get my foot up here. Like I can actually get it up into like a, this position. But the, the, the question I always have is, can you maintain that? Can you hold that position without like someone forcing your leg or doing that? Because in reality, there's no, there's no point in that. If we're talking about in nature, it's like, look at this cool party trick I can do. But like, if I can get my foot over my head is say I'm like climbing a tree and I can grab it, the tree with my foot or can make that contact and use that, that, that range of motion, that mobility to move through that. Then now you have, it's like call it flexibility, call it whatever you want, but it's going, I own that range of motion. And that's what we're trying to do. So with what we're, I'm talking about, yes, it will help that because when you understand this notion we have of, uh, I, I pulled my muscle, my muscles tight, like is not, we're, we're, we're off the mark on it because the muscle itself is not what's tight. It's the fascia. And we understand the fascia for anyone who is, is this crystalline structure of the water within our body. And that's a whole thing I go crazy deep into. But the thing is, is with that, that fascia, that's where the neurological connections are. That's where everything is from the brain and everywhere else is saying, Hey, we're either going to restrict or we're going to let you relax. Now, the majority of people are in what we would call um, a sympathetic state, fight or flight, stressed out all the time. With that, and obviously collapsing the arches, the hips rolling underneath. So we're not in a back chain position. We're what we would call a front chain position. So my hips are driving forward. 
what starts to happen is, is that most people are like, think like just a fist, like their whole body is just a constant fist. And when we're in that state of that stress, the body is constantly telling us fight or flight, stay ready. Everything has to stay ready. So that fascia is like this. So now when people like try to be flexible and stretch, what you're doing is, is you're going against the body trying to protect you. The body's going, dude, you're trying to force a position that I'm telling you you're not ready for. And then you go, oh, I think I pulled something. Yeah, you did because the body is going, you, the fascia is going like with everything else is going, you're not ready to do that. So what you're feeling is the fascia giving that water in the body. Now, most people are dehydrated. Most people aren't creating the natural vortices of the body. So the content of the water in the body is questionable, hence disease. Hence, all these other conditions that we're having. So it just builds on one after the other. So when we go through this tight muscles, what I tell people to do, and it goes without fail, I, everyone could try this at home, is if you feel something tight, like say your neck, you know, I tell people sit, you know, try to feel yourself, look up and just breathe. Breathe. Don't force it. Don't try to f- make your head, neck do something it's not ready to do. Just hold what feels like, okay, this is a threshold. I can hold this. And just breathe. It's going to take some time for people because you're now going from a state of sympathetic in trying to, because this is what the breath will do, is get you into what we'd call a parasympathetic state. It's going to calm you down. It's going to allow all of your energy to go blood to go back into digestion, your sexual reproductive organs, your lymphatic system, which most people have issues with. This is, it's all connected. And so what ends up happening is, is when I work with people, it's going, Hey, I want to be more flexible. Okay. You have this range in your neck. Well, literally, and I did this just the other weekend. I had a lady for 20 minutes. We were just doing this and this. She's had in, in, in a position of back change. She was sitting in a chair. She's like, dude, I have had migraines for 40 years. I take medications. I can't do the medications anymore. I'm just living with these migraines. Now we spent 20 minutes just doing this breathing, slowing everything down, breathing. She looked at me with, she's like, what the hell did we just do? I don't have a migraine anymore. Or it's, it's like, it's like not there. Like I can barely feel it. And I was like, okay, just keep going. Don't, don't stop. Just stay calm. I want you to just stay in that state that you found yourself in because your body is telling you, keep doing this. Keep going. We like what this feeling is because it's, it, it, you're listening to what we're trying to communicate to you. And she did. And she was like, that was the most craziest. I, I don't have a, I don't have a migraine. Like she was like flabbergasted. So it's just knowing when you breathe, you're literally letting that fascia, everything just go. All right. We don't have to grip so hard. Okay. We can, we can ease up. All right. Great. And that's, and that's what I'm always trying to do with people is getting them to be present with the breath, be in those states. So they will get flexibility. They will find mobility through that. You know, I say flexibility, but I'm just really talking about mobility where they can get, you know, people who have locked shoulders, their arm can only go this high, you know, and then, you know, after a you know, at one session of an hour, they're able to be here with no pain. And they're like, I don't know how we're doing this. And it's going, we're listening to the communication of the body. Yeah, I mean, did you, did you tell her what the sternocleidomastoid is? I uh, she I uh, certain people you have to give them little little hints yeah. it, but been, and she yeah go on. I've been thinking about that you know a lot of the the mind magic of medicine is these crazy names ooh it's so scary I can hardly pronounce these names but when 
But you can flip that. We can you turn it to the light side and we give them the name of these things. And then, you know, that's a fun that's a fun word. They go home and they've got this five, six syllable word that now they own it. And now they are more in control of and have command, literal command. They can name the thing that uh, that was ailing them before. You're, dude, you're 100% right. And what I, I try to do, and I'm not always good because sometimes like the truther in me who's like when people come in and they have an open mind, I'm like, dude, I'm about to eat you some gravy, dude. Like, let's go. So I have to be. I've been eating this gravy up all day. You ready? Yeah. Oh, dude. I, like sometimes like I'm like sitting there. I'm like, do you know that they've cured cancers? <laughs> like, like she's like, I'm nice to meet you. I'm Deb. And I'm like, sorry, uh, Patrick. Uh, you know, like it, you just get so excited because you want to help people. But one of the things I've noticed with people is when we go through certain things first, like I've said earlier about being the gateway is then I'll say that's the, you know, that's the sternocleido and mastoid. And they'll go, I will never forget that because I know that change that just happened in me. And it's so profound that what you just said, I can retain that information without fail. So that becomes very interesting for me is just going, these are the little things that we can do. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually uh, pawning that off from chance from his last interview that he did. They, uh, uh, your guest, and I forget his name already. Uh, oh, Kyle. Kyle. He mentioned, he mentioned that to conjure is to conquer. And that like sent, turned on so many lights and made all these wonderful connections for me. Uh, I really love that. So I'm still getting mileage out of that. I'm just throwing that around. Not original yeah, to me. You're talking about conjuring. And mm-hmm. Pat's most recent guest was Jerry Marzinski. <laughs> what do you think about this exorcism exercise? I mean, okay, Marzinski, for anyone out there, he's a, a, what you would call a, what not psychiatrist, but psychologist who is actually talking to the entities attached to people and treating schizophrenia like it's other spirits and having more success. He's one of the people that is successfully helping people with multiple personalities instead of treating it like it's uh, fake. What do you think, Pat? Exorcism exercise. You just talked right. to Jerry. All right, we're, we're about to go deep. I'm in. Ready, ready to buckle up. <laughs> We never went to the moon. <laughs> um, no, well, I so, know one thing that Dylan says is one of the great benefits of being in the age of rampant demonic infestation is it's easy to be good looking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so to the exorcism exercise, true. I, I 100% can get behind a lot of that. And, you know, however people want to look at, you know, demons and things like that, you know, I, everyone has their own opinion, but this is what I, I can hopefully try to understand from what I've gathered is that when we understand that we are mostly made up of water, we're 99% water, specifically blood, cerebral spinal fluid is water. When you look at Rudolf Steiner's work and people like him, you're talking about, you know, the water body being the etheric body and basically having that connection to, you know, if, if people are talking about other realms and things like that, or spiritual entities, whatever it may be. When you talk about a lot of people who say they have spiritual entities or demons and things like that, like Jerry said, is that you get, uh, you know, a lot of trauma. They talk about a lot of trauma in people's past growing up and things like that, that opens them up for it. That's something that gets brought up a lot. Now, whether or not people want to believe that or not, what I can say is this. Hold on real quick. It's called in the occult premeditated obsession. Just throwing that out there. 
No, no, this and that's what's great is is knowing the the layers to this. Yeah, I could say trauma, but they've premeditative um what was it uh obsession? Premeditated obsession, but I call Pre- it willful desire because you're literally desiring yourself and it's to sire is to be like um you know, think it's like to be whole, to be lord, right? When you sire, you know, mm-hmm. children, whatever. So like you're like that whole creative sovereign. And then you desire your desire, desire yourself willfully. Right. And, and yeah, and this is what becomes so fun about this for me is because it's got just layers on layers. But to that point is, is, you know, we'll just say with trauma for now is that when you get a lot of people in a trauma based mindset, what happens? As I said earlier, a sympathetic state be- occurs where people always hear about fight or flight, but they're missing a key component of what this sympathetic state is. It's freeze. Now look at a deer in a headlight. What happens? It's freezing. What's happening to the body? It's not moving. It's that ball and fist. So what's happening? Over time, there's a stagnation in that circulation of the water, those spirals, the vortexes. I'm under the impression when people are a lot of trauma, not moving, stagnant, that opens the body up, the etheric body, for something to come in. Now, people can disagree, that's fine, but what I've noticed is that when people move that water in the body the way it's intended, and the body is going, yes, keep doing this, you see a lot of people change very quickly. And what starts to happen is, you know, I don't, people go, I feel human again. This is my comments I've gotten. So this is, this is, uh, you know, observations I've gotten in the field. I feel human again, or I feel whole again, or I feel better about myself. I don't have certain feelings about myself. I feel hopeful. I, you know, I know people can talk about hope being a bad thing or this and that, but it's just like, you start to see these people changing, you know, the way they see things right in front of your eyes. And I truly believe it's because of we're going from a stagnated water of this water into flow. We're creating flow once again. That's why when you're in the flow state, you're finding literally a flow of the water again, the cerebral spinal fluid. And you're talking about the thoracic spine. Well, guess what, guys? Where does the cerebral spinal fluid, where does the spinal cord end? Right at the T12 L1. So understand something. When you're not moving through that thoracic spine and you're not creating this oscillation, what is that spine doing? Oscillating. Every step you take when you're moving through those oscillations, what you're getting is literally a facilitating of that flow of the cerebral spinal fluid. Every step you take is literally helping the flow of cerebral spinal fluid. Every time you move through the oscillations, moving through the pivot, and I know I'm jumping around, but pivot points of your hands and your feet, that's creating spiral. That's helping send the blood back up to the heart. And the heart's creating this oscillation. It's not pumping. It doesn't pump. The part's never pumped. And you know this because you can just purely look at the striations of the body. This is what's so beautiful when you look at the body with the new open mind is that look at the striations, the way the muscles striate, the way they move. They're literally showing you this. Whoa. They're showing you this. And when you're moving through that, guess what the whole body's doing all at once? And it's creating oscillation. Vortexing. Vortexes, exactly. And when we don't move through that, and we're staying, again, even though we might be moving through life, people, when they walk, they got locked ankles. They're kind of just 
tapping. They're in shoes all the time, which is literally an insulator. So if you're not on bare feet in the ground, you're literally insulating your foot from the electricity from the earth. When you're constantly covering yourself from sun, you're, you know, you're constantly removing all these charges that are literally charging your battery. And the biggest one is how do I move through space and through space, you know, and then our idea of time. And this is where it becomes fun for me is because you start to see as we start talking to people who won't even listen to what we're talking about now, the minute they feel the difference rather than think the difference is they go, I'm in, dude. I'm listening to whatever you got to say. And I'm like, chapter three, spirit world. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, it, it, you guys will have to forgive Pat because he's like tapped into his like Celtic heritage. And so all he thinks about is spirals, like almost all stonework and stuff. <laughs> Nobody knows how old they are. Yeah, I just, it's just, I'm just totally tapped in right now. I'm about ready to get into like a war. Before, the, before those ancestors got destroyed by all the fermented drinks. <laughs> the Romans oh, you, you guys ready for this connection? The only other place that ever made drink from barley, aside from Britain, is Egypt. It's a connection. Just saying. Hashtag just saying. <laughs> okay, so what you're talking about, though, Pat, to back up a little bit, is how it seems like the water in the body is some sort of, in compute, not literally, but as a metaphor, like the hard drive that you're consciousness is installed on like the water is the receiver for whatever you are that is beyond the body or bigger than the body and so you have the real biggest evidence for that being when somebody drinks a lot of alcohol aka spirits (laughs) they are able to black out but their body is still walking around and doing something who's driving that because their blood at that point and the water is diluted to the point where it is not even water anymore. So yet something else comes in and is driving. So it's like that stagnation of the water in the body through not enough movement is fermenting your blood, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that even sent me thinking like, wow, we call alcohol spirits fermenting fair, like fair or fay, the fairies, you know, like Trixie bad spirits you you ferment the mint is the mind so it's like the the fairy spirits are taking over your mind when your blood ferments because you're stagnant I don't know is that a stretch I mean I would definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying and you know just to take it a step further too, talking about the uh, you know what happens when you're detoxing right or especially with alcohol what do we always hear people say dude my liver's shot my liver's fucked and the, it's interesting about the liver. And one of the biggest things that I've learned along the way is that um, when the when the heart is going through its oscillation and blood is being dispersed, the most quantity of of blood goes to the liver for that detoxification process, and then it goes to the other organs. It goes to other places. It then goes through its cycle and then everything through, you know, so that's oxygenated blood that comes in, it goes through the body. And as every, that blood starts to come back to the heart, it's then deoxygenated just essentially without oxygen. Every bit of your blood as it's coming back to the heart filters again, back through the liver. So think about this for a second in regards to what you're talking about. So the blood you take, you know, Blood comes through the heart. Everything is, is, is dispersed. 
part a good portion goes through the liver and then the rest of it comes through you know other parts of the organs and then all of it comes back through the liver and back to the heart pretty much you do that uh that classic l to r switch and your liver is your river everything's flowing through it and it's it's also the libra it's the way oh yeah because the v to b switch yeah And this is what gets fascinating is is also understanding a big, important piece of this. And this for other people, this might not be much, but this blew my mind when I when I realized this and came to the conclusion. Is that the amount of, uh, let's just say, flow that goes through it is actually not a strong. It's not a strong current. Let's just say that the current itself is not very strong. So there's a lot of blood going through and exiting. But it's not, it's not like a strong current. So it's going, well, wait a minute. How is all of that blood going through and coming back? And you realize, again, position tells you everything. What the body is showing you right in front of your face every single time. Where does the liver sit? So here's my rib. So here's my rib cage. Here's the diaphragm, you know, the bottom part of my rib. You know what I'm saying? So your diaphragm sits right basically in that that arc, another arc in the body. And it's supported and inside of that kind of tucked in there is the liver. Now think about when I take a proper inhale and exhale, my diaphragm is pushing down and coming up. But it doesn't just go down and up. It does this. It's going through this motion. When I'm inhaling a full breath, utilizing my lungs, utilizing my diaphragm, all those pieces. And when I exhale, it's doing this. It's a slow oscillation coming back. And we know this because of where the striations are, but also understanding where, uh, you know, your, uh, your, not your tendons, but, uh, yeah, your tendons, but also your, uh, ligaments and everything else that are attached. You can see that it's going through this motion. So think about this. When I take, where's the pressure really coming from? It's coming from the breath. If I take a proper inhale, exhale, that's what's putting a pressure on the liver to create that flow. Well, you're taking a step further. Your vessels, your veins, they don't run like a tube. They're a spiral tube. Just think of like the umbilical cord. It has a spiral. It's those are at the molecular level. Those are a lot of your blood vessels in your veins. They go through the spiral. So what's interesting is, is if you don't take a deep breath, which is coming from that nose for most people, you're not helping detoxify the liver. You're not helping the flow through that liver. So people going back to drinking, you're now needing the liver to do more work. And majority of us don't even breathe to help it when it's not under that much amount of stress. And now what we see is this consistent fermentation that's occurring in this lack of flow. As much as the heart is doing a lot of, you know, doing work, it's not just the heart, it's the whole system. But we're so focused on the heart being that it is super important. You know, it's the, it's the earth, it's the heart space, you know, your heart's full of gold, we have gold in our blood, like all these things start to make sense, but it's going, the whole system needs to be in one unit. Yeah, so again, we, we can try to isolate what we're looking at, but it's, it's the whole system. And that for me was so profound because it's going... I'm literally helping the detoxification process of my, of my, my vessel, of my being when I take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And this is where, you know, 
like everything else, I already, you know, I know my connection with God and I was like, God is real. And I go literally thinking about going, when you come to this world, the first thing you get is the breath. The last thing you get is the breath. There's no question about it. If you never breathe, you're, you know, you're never really here. If you don't breathe, you know, when you have your last breath, but then you breathe again, that wasn't your last breath. The last breath is when you're no longer, you know, you're not here anymore. So the point is, is going, how important breathing is and how it's putting you in the present moment, how it's detoxifying the body, how it's helping you get out of a constant stress state and how it's allowing the body to go into this relax so I can then move through the flow and I can be in a true flow state and heal. Okay, I want to oh, syncretize the hell out of this. And it's blowing my mind we're having this conversation. It's like right on, right in stride with where my mind was yesterday, today. This is great. So, uh, okay, Jacob and Esau, that's the trachea and the Esau fagus. They're the twins. Diana is the diaphragm. She's got the bow, Artemis, the bow huntress. And her brother uh, is uh, Apollo. I'm thinking those are the kidneys. Or, no, Yeah, the kidneys. I think that's the kidneys. Like you were saying, the diaphragm massages those organs below. So I'm seeing these uh, mythological characters uh, corresponding powerfully with our anatomy in a fabulous way. And it's been on my mind for at least 48 hours. And here we are talking about it. This is great. And then one more thing real quick. I've recently discovered that the, uh, the standard heartbeat is articulated in the medical field with the letters P-Q-R-S-T. And I'm freaking out at what that is telling me uh, because P-Q-R-S-T is also encoded in the lunar standstills in the eclipse cycles. And it's blowing my mind that we're having this wonderful conversation about like the toroid of it all, the, you know, the universal toroidal experience. And I'm seeing like the north node of the lunar standstill and the south node of the lunar standstill encoded all the way down to the micro of the heartbeat. And then uh, just to like kind of throw it all out and leave it on the table and see what sticks. I'm also into the Enneagram, the one through nine Enneagram, which people perceive as a personality matrix, but Tesla was using it for energy. And we know about the toroid of energy. And I'm thinking that in the Enneagram, there's a handoff between the feel side and the think side, where both of them connect with the body, but on the different y-axis, on two branches. And I think that those connect points of the feel connecting to the body and the think connecting to the body, I think those are nodes. Those are like the nodes of the lunar standstill of the heartbeat uh, with Profound consistency. Okay. All right, I got to jump in. Yeah, boy. One chance when you were saying all the fairy stuff, did you? Did I just miss you? Miss that like iron is ferrum? Did you say that beginning, and I just missed that, or did you not even say that? I didn't even point that out, but yeah, the blood yeah. has iron in it, and that's yeah, ferrum. So okay, two to what Pat said about um, you know God and all that stuff. We're in a creation. It must be created. Thus, there is a creator. 
And if you can't recognize that, you're a dumbass and nobody should listen to a damn word you have to say because you're pappy minded. My name is Dylan Sicoccio, author, spirit world, do anything about it. Third, you're one of the, two of the studies that came out this year. And I'm going to shout out this account that I follow because I love this shit, even though it's like out of my wheelhouse. His name is, uh, he's a doctor. His, it just on Twitter at M A N G A N 150. He's, he published two separate, uh, studies this year. The first 30% when they did a study of thousands of people, the people who lifted weights, resistance training, not aerobics, staved off cancer. By 30%, those people who lifted weights were 30% less likely to get cancer. I'm convinced this is all, every problem we have is related to what you guys are talking about with the, the quality of the blood and it not getting the movement it needs because we're not doing the challenge. And in another study that came out this year, they found that lifting weights, resistance training also staved off the loss of blood circulation in the legs. But the people in that study that just did aerobics, doesn't matter how much you want to do that shit, the Ironman, the triathlons, it did not stave off blood circulation. In fact, it's even worse for men. It actually did something bad to them. But lifting weights kept that circulation in your legs. And that matters when you get older. We don't think about this stuff yet, but when you can't friggin' go to the bathroom without a walker or like, you know, like this is, this is when your family puts you in a home and they can't, when they don't have the time to do all this shit for you. So do that what you will. Yeah, man. You know, uh, I would even add to that. Like, you know, uh, the Asians have like this uh, ridiculous life expectancy. They always have. They're the longest standing culture throughout history and time. And those fools can kick. They can kick. It's integral to their fighting systems. They kick. And that keeps that, you know, the femoral bone is where all the blood. Femoral. The there's another fair. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. But I want you guys. So you, everything you guys are saying, I, I agree with the majority of it. And I want to even take a step further, though. You talk about the Asian population. We're talking about, well, let's just start here. We're always, you know, we're so focused on exercise. But let me ask you all a question. How often are you guys exercising? And you're in 160 whatever hours in a week. How many? I'm, patholo- I'm pathological. I cannot not exercise. And uh, and if I go a day without, I double up the next day. But, but no, my question is like, how many hours would you say on average? And what do you count as exercise? Like any intentional movement, or like weights and cardio, or like where's the threshold? whatever whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You put you can put anything in there. I'm at about eight hours of kick your ass intense. Like I'm here to accept my punishment. I'm guilty of whatever charges and I just go, you know, that uncomfortable stuff. And then about I park, I specifically park like a half a mile away from wherever I'm going to be working. So I'm getting my steps into where I ever have to go work. And then if it's nice out, I go walk the lake after. So get my 10,000 steps. Okay. So let's just say you all do eight hours. Is that fair to put in a, a assumption? Yeah, it's at least that. Okay. So I'll say, I'll give you 12. I'll give you 12. How often, well, let me ask, how many other hours are still left? You mean all the ones where I'm sitting on my ass mostly? <laughs> how are you in a resting position? 
Now understand the Asian population. What are they resting position? A deep squat. Babies, a deep squat. Indigenous populations, a deep squat. None of you, I'm going to venture to say, can comfortably sit and do a deep squat. No, I can deep squat like an Asian. Yeah, I'm crazy. Good. I'm crazy on all those fronts. I've been accused of being Taiwanese before. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong, but here's the thing. That is a good piece to have in your caliber because I'm pretty the, comfortable in it. I was Great. just telling my lady to uh, do the ass to ground squats. That's how you get thick. And that's the thing is it's going, we can move through that and that's great. <laughs> you can, you can be like, you need to do this. But, a, yeah, probably most people know. That most people know to that. So I, you know, any, so I stand corrected and I'm happy to stand corrected. But it, again, I will then say to you guys going, all right, well, if there's still issues in the body, let's address where they are and, you know, the quality of a, a deep squat. Like how comfortable is it? And what are you doing to get there? Like some people can sit in a deep squat, but their knees are just shredded or their ankles are just so, but to the point I'm ultimately making, the majority of the population cannot get to that place. So it's going, most people, as much as yes, we're working on your movement patterns, we want to focus on how are you resting? Can you find positions of rest where it is beneficial? Because there is positions that are not beneficial, very much so. And it starts to, you know, I can go on for hours about this, but I think that's the majority of my problem because I've spent yeah. like... And, yeah. and I'm going to finish spirit world or I'm going right. to die, you know? And most people are there and then they're asking their body to go into like a back chain position, like a squat, like a back squat or uh, some sort of, uh, you know, position of a lunge where they want to go back chain, but everything is telling their body, hey, drive the hips under, let the hips keep going forward. And then people will go, dude, I just slipped a disc or I have really bad sciatica now, or I just shredded my knees or I just pulled a hamstring pull the hamstring. I just ruptured my Achilles tendon. I have inflammation in my knees again, or I have a really bad hip or, you know what I mean? So, or they'll go, yeah. man, my, tell them how careful they have to be because my friend, um, Dale, he's fucking jacked and he slipped a disc just casually picking up something that was only 150 pounds, which is like nothing for him. And this is, and this is, you and do this everything is, with intention. And this is my point is, is people want to do it with intention, but they don't know what that intention is. So ultimately, yeah, when I was in high school, I did an ACL tear yeah. or no meniscus, the MCL is the meniscus on my uh, left yeah. knee doing basically like the, the amount of weight I was doing on the squats was right. to make it look like I was trying, but not actually doing any work. So yeah. like so, I was attempting to slack off and just go through the motions. So I wasn't really with it, paying attention to what I was right. doing. And that's exactly. how I got the tear. And that's, and that's the thing is most people uh, are, are just doing that too. Most injuries, as much as they're in like gym settings, are people not doing anything extreme. It's the everyday mundane type of mindset. And that's the thing is, is most of our training for a lot of people is in this, what we call a sagittal bilateral position. Everything is curl, it's bench, it's squat. Everything is facing this way. Understanding, and it's a deception in my mind, is this idea of, oh, we need to move through your sagittal plane and your frontal plane and your transverse plane. We need to work through all of them. It's all the one. You're moving in the one. If you're moving through the natural spirals, you're doing all of them, every single move without fail. There's no, there's no ands or buts. And this actually brings up Rob's question he said earlier about how do you 
incorporate because in Goda they'll say we don't want you to lift with like your hands anything below the weight like doing deadlifts or squats with like weight on your back or things they're very particular because it's it doesn't align with full-on nature so to, to Rob's question is is I go well yeah you might not move in certain uh, patterns that's true to nature like in the gym but where I, I differ from the Goda people and not it's bad what they're doing. I love what they're doing. It's just going some people again, energetically, it makes them feel good. So I say, Oh, we need to own those positions. I can still move through them, but you need to know how to own it. Just like I said, if I'm here compared to here, I need to own those positions. I need to own every range of motion. My body has available to it. If I can own it, be present with it. Then I say, have at it, go to the gym, do what you need to do to feel good. It's like, you know, uh, Tommy John says like a happy donut's better than a sad salad. That's actually one of the things I like about the 12 rivers system of Qigong. I do is that I'm pretty sure that when I've done all the movements and those sets, I've moved my body on every axis of motion and every joint that it can possibly do at least a little. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it real quick, I, I love this combo guys, but I'm going to have to roll here. Cause uh, I got to go back to dad duties. Well, what are we looking at? Sorry. He's just showing us some page of some weird book. Sagittal. There you, you go. Arrow yep. and Sagio. I perceive quickly or keenly with the senses. Mm-hmm. The arrow of Jove. That's where Sagittarius comes from. Nice. So Archer with the arrow aimed at the scorpion's heart and Tadis. And, this, and that's so you're going to dad duties uh wrap us up yeah. with plugs and anything you want to tell us about uh, how people can work with you yeah yeah dude well first off thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it uh you know i talked to you guys a ton gabe first time so i'm very uh, grateful and appreciative of getting to chat with you so uh for those who want to listen to my podcast you know a uh, majority of the episodes are at the patlife.org so the pat p-a-t life.org um, you know, it is uh five bucks a month, um, for the membership, but what I'm also providing there isn't just all of the podcasts in their full entirety, but I do do these zoom calls once a month or twice a month on a lot of these lectures of things that I am talking about today, really diving into things. You're welcome, buddy. Um, but also I do once a month, like a, a workout where I'm showing people things that they can do through a zoom call. They can join, you know, live, or they can go back and watch it. Um, where they're getting to see, okay, well, you're talking about this stuff, but how do I incorporate it? What does it look like? How are things I can do to start? And uh, so it's all there. Um, it's once a month, like I said, well, I'll do these workouts and it's five bucks a month. And, uh, you know, if you want to go there, but I also do provide it on YouTube. Um, I'm at unbearablesmedia.com. Um, I got some big things coming up um, in regards to working with uh, a, a name and doing this stuff more at a professional level, at a clinical level. Um, with, uh, some people you guys will probably heard of. So I just, I don't think I could talk about the details yet. Um, but there's big things coming there and then, yeah. So those are the spots you can find me Instagram, the Pat life. Um, you know, feel free to follow me there. And, uh, yeah, if you have questions, anyone who wants to do, Oh, the one thing I did provide real quick. Um, so this assessment that I was doing with Dylan, uh, for members, we are providing, um, members to the website. We are providing, uh, assessments. If you want to do an assessment, um, it's at a discounted cost, um, because I'm not only just doing the assessment, which takes about 15 to 20, 25 minutes. 
Um, but I'm also then, you know, with a little bit of additional cost, I can give you two weeks of workouts and two things, two weeks of things that you can really dive into and stay focused. Um, that you can do from home, you can do anywhere just to get you in that right state of mind. Um, like I said, if you don't want to do it, there's no hard feelings. This isn't about trying to take anything from you. It's just trying to give this information in a way where everyone's, uh, everyone's winning from it. So I, I, you know, I thank you guys so much, man. This was so much fun. Yeah. We'll have to have you back. I mean, since we only got you for an hour and 15 minutes, I say only, but you packed it so full of good stuff, man. A lot of questions from people in the chat that if we had time, we'd get to, but follow Pat life on YouTube. If you guys want to see more of what he's up to, I'm not kidding. I'm going to get it. (laughs) I'm going to get it like in on working with you because I, yeah, uh, you, I'm, (laughs) You made a believer out of me just listening to you. Well, what I, I thank you, man. And we can the definitely talk. The syncretism of the body is so fucking cool. Yeah. And oh Pat, yeah. Man. Feel free. If you want to use that clip of me, like yeah, yeah. You know, to show people what I'm talking, what you're talking about, unless you have other better ones by all means. No, no, no. no yeah. I want to make sure you know that you can use that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'll definitely, I'll post it and stuff. If people are interested to see what it looks like for sure. And they don't want to do the website or anything. I can definitely post it. Um, but I just want to make something real clear. Uh, like I said, if you want to work with me, great. I'm happy. Always love to do it. I always tell people though, if you decide to work with me, I I want you once a week, if that. Some people once a month, because the majority. Oh, that's of people, perfect for my schedule. I don't. I don't have the time majority. For more. Exactly, and when well, that's the thing is, is one. I know it's a cost thing, but I also tell people, I'm going. I don't want it become a dependency on me. I want you to take these nuggets and start to be present and be with yourself understand how you move, observe how you're standing, observe how you're living your life and starting to pay attention to the things that you just take, we take for granted. That's how I always do it. Or I've been doing it because I realize the less time you're with me is the less time or the more time you're with yourself in focusing on those things. And obviously we can always regroup, come back, you know, so anyone who's interested and wants to talk, great. Just to if give not- a little proof of that pudding, right? Because the proof of the pudding is in the e- eating of it. When I have to correct my walking, I think about what Pat told me is, the two toes, which is the one right next to your big toe, has to be pointed straight ahead of you. And your weight when you're moving needs to be on the four and five toes. So when I'm walking, I'm always, you know, thinking about these things and saying, okay, is that where the weight is? Yada, yada. So you're getting that like torque and all that stuff. So yeah. just, to, just to highlight what he's saying, he'll give you all these little cues that like will stay with you throughout the course of your life. Exactly. And I haven't talked to you about it since Dylan. And I'm, that's the thing that makes me happy knowing, okay, that resonated. And then you apply that. And it's not about, oh, well, it's, you know, Pat brought this to my attention, but it's going, as time goes on, I'm aware of the differences. I can feel the differences. I can, I can assess what feels better in that communication of the body going like, keep doing that, keep doing that. So anyway, man, thank you guys got, so much. I, I got one question before yeah. you leave. I should have dropped it before you were cutting loose. But no, no, good. What's up, man? Do you ever recommend people walk backwards? Dude, I, I, my thing is this, if the body can move a certain way, go for it. Yeah. And, and know how to own it. It's, it has its place. That's the thing. Is, nice. is, and that's why if the arch collapses, it collapses for a reason. And mm-hmm. I say, just because I'm saying, you know, we live with collapsed arches. We don't own that collapsed arch. A lot of people don't own it. When it collapses, like if we're lifting a heavy boulder or things like that, mm-hmm. it will collapse to get more support, more surface tension. Yeah. It will happen. So just like walking backwards. Right. Know how to move through it. Move with it. control. Find what that feels like where the whole body is now working as one system. So I wholly support it. And uh, 
just getting people to think about the body differently and movement differently. So right. yeah, man, yeah, awesome. That was the secret to my success. I had, uh, my knees were always troublesome. And then I got a moving job for four years and I'm carrying heavy weights and walking in every which direction other than you the forward. And the next thing I know, my knees are, you know, they work in both directions again. That's it. You, you got it, dude. It's moving yeah. the body and it's uh, in its perfect design. So anyway, guys, thank you so All much. Right. Everyone listening. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And uh, yeah, I hope Pat. to hear from you guys. Much All love. Guys. Pat. Much love. See you guys. Peace. Talk to you later, dude. Thank you. Horns. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Dude. You guys, what do you guys want to talk about now that that fruit booter is gone? <laughs> oh, dude, he's a total gravy captain. <laughs> I'm realizing how, how far uh, my knowledge of anatomy really has to go, which is exciting because then that's another element to syncretize to all the other parts of the fractal. So, and it's one of the most important and obvious and self evident ones, which is the vessel we're in. But I don't care what we talk about. I mean, Dylan, you could discuss a little bit of how, you know, you got yourself in shape. <laughs> I know that's uh, been quite an incredible transformation for you. And uh, Gabriel has been a lifelong martial artist. Yeah, there's his book. I, highlight, I, I did everything that I did over the last two years. Um, actually, it's three years ago. Um, but it was like the, la- like the last year or so. Um, I turned everything around. Uh, there's pictures of me. I look like a crack whore. Like I look, I was emaciated, uh, just coming off like uh, some really bad years in my life. And um, that Wuhan wiggle stuff wasn't helping. Well, you were in like the ultimate demon, demonic infestation realm of LA. Who knows what kind of <laughs> vampire spiritual beings were just oh eating my your life force. Check this out. I was on Melrose Ave one time. And some of these like demon infested people are like really obscenely wealthy and they look like Arab or something like, like, like Persian or something. And I saw this chick and they all have like this Beverly Hills face where it's like, you know, they've gotten work done and it kind of looks like, like this weird, like, and I'll never forget. I seen this woman like at a storefront looking at herself in the mirror, but she had like super expensive like designer like clothing on clean didn't look dirty but she had like and she was all like like looking her set like it was like literally like a demon just popped in there and was like checking itself out like it's physical it was fucking like chills on my oh my god i'm telling you that shit is like legit i'm i'm all about like i there's something freaky going on in this world and i've seen it for myself (laughs) you know i was just uh I was just uh, spieling with uh, Chance over in the, I don't know if you got the downloads on the Marvelous Demystifiers, Chance, but there's... Oh, no, I saw some stuff pop up there, but I haven't been in. Yeah, it's all crazy, but it's uh, but it's so fascinating that uh, we're talking about Owlifornia right now. I'm ha- I've, I've had a, a really profound thought. I don't know what it is. I can't, I don't know what I'm looking at right now, but I'm realizing so it starts with the Maxwell family crest and the Maxwell family crest has a shield and the shield has the porcupine on the shield. And which we, is an echidna, which is the echidna, which is the, the Gorgon, the she viper it's Medusa. And so we've been really fascinated with this heraldry and what the heraldry means and how significant it just keeps proving itself to be. So. 
at first I saw the echidna on the shield and I thought, okay, these guys are venerating the, the Medusa, right? And today it occurs to me that that, that is actually what Athena wears. She has the shield with Medusa on her shield. And Athena is the, is the opponent of Medusa. They're antagonistic to each other. It's, so I while, think it has to do with the fact that in the Trinity, the destroyer and regenerate, like the regenerator and destroyer are the same person. They come the together. You got it. Yeah. Right, man. You got it. The Starbucks, right? The Starbucks. Well, hooker. the Starbucks they said is uh, Melusina, but it's like another archetype for that. Totally. They're sidestepping it's, it. When you, yeah. when, when you read their explanation, they're not saying they're being very, yeah, they're being very, uh, a bit evasive but here was my realization That's Italian, though but people don't realize this is coming from phoenician shit I'm, this is my new book's gonna okay. go deep into this gravy oh you're gonna dig this okay you're really gonna dig this I'm, this is and it just happened today guys the timing is so amazing sometimes so real okay. quick when i and you said you were the reading spirit world today just out of the blue right Gabe? this morning <laughs> i had no idea i was cracking back in this morning remember when i said mother's the mother of monsters yeah that's what, talking, that's what I was talking about. There's yes. something in the Italian archetype, and it's available to us. I don't know it, how to explain it, but when you do some like ayahuasca and shit, it comes to you, huh? You go right into it. Yep. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Okay. You're okay. This is so fun. All right. So Maxwell Family Crest. Uh, you know, it's it had. It, well, I thought it was the Gorgon, but now I'm realizing it's the the. Uh, Athena, who defeated the Gorgon and used the Gorgon as a trophy, right? She's showing off her victory over the Gorgon. Well, this is tripping me out because I have always considered California, uh, Owlifornia, the whole shape of the state looks like an owl in uh, Bohemian Grove. They're there venerating the owl. They're giving the owl all this energy. So that makes a pillar. That makes the pillar on the West Coast. It's Boaz. Bohemian Grove equals Boaz. The other elite retreat center on the other coast is uh, Jekyll Island, which is Jaquim. So we've got Boaz and Jaquim, these two pillars, Owlifornia and Georgia is the Gorgon. And they just collapsed the two pillars when they moved. Owlifornia is now gone to Georgia. And so they fused the owl and the gorgon. They've come together, and now Owlifornia. Oh, you is mean in the fact that uh, Hollywood is now in Georgia? Hollywood is in Georgia. There's been an alchemical wedding of some monumental proportion. I can't even fathom what else I'm missing in these details. But yeah, the owl and the gorgon have come together in an alchemical wedding, and then they kick over the guidestones on the day that they fire up CERN. And uh, Mount Etna is popping off. Check this out. You'll love this. So if um, Sicily has Mount Etna, which is where Vulcan, the god of the volcano, is, volcano is Hephaestus, volcano is Odriga, is all this lineage of Vulcan gods. And Sicily Janus. is getting, what's that? And Janus. You'll see them sometimes depicted with the club of Janus. Okay. Like, that okay. like there's a lot of weird shit like that. Right. Well, I just found out, I'm rereading some of the mythology, and I found out that Hephaestus got kicked out of Olympus two times. Once by his mama when he was young, 
And then he makes a comeback and then uh, Zeus kicks him out a second time. Well, the boot of Italy is literally kicking Mount Etna, Sicily. It's getting kicked. It's getting kicked away. And if you look into Sicily, there's like, so this is why there might have been an isthmus there, like a land bridge that got, because there's like a lot of lure about that actually being part of the continent at one point. Whereas in Britain, because people have speculated was Britain, how did Britain get peopled if there wasn't a land bridge? But there's nothing in that region that has any of that like lure. But in Sicily and um, Sicily and Sardinia, all these places are like Phoenician outposts and shit. Like that's where like, uh, like there's a lot of cool shit getting dug up there. I really hope some like new revelations get brought to light with, uh, you know, people starting to look at this stuff differently because a, a lot of giants lore in Sardinia, right? Yeah. But also in friggin', uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Monte Prama, uh, people, let me type, I'll type this in the chat. You guys got to look at this shit up. This is freaking wild. Monte Prama. There you go. Yeah, go look in some Google images and like uh, giants graves. Is that like uh, the first mountain or is that like the cousin mountain? What's Prama? I haven't uh, done my home. Like I, I've, mm-hmm. I just started learning about this uh, this year when I was looking into. Oh, I'm freaking muted. No, you're good. No, no you're no, good. Okay. And, well, uh, pra- Prama and Prana are practically the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, man, it's so funny how many weaves can come together at once. I was just uh, vibing with Elsie uh, King. I think he was asleep. <laughs> I can never tell what time of day he's at, but we were talking about uh, prime numbers. And he was saying, you know, all the prime numbers are odd, so they're masculine. And it's like reinforced double masculine because they're all prime. And I was like, uh, 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 you got to remember two. Number two is the only feminine prime number, which makes it like Smurfette. It makes it like a, a one and a two in and of, in and of its own right. It's so a, that makes me think, too, back to the Trinity. I'm reading Higgins and Anacalypsis, and he's, you know, nobody understands the Trinity, but he does the best job going over all the different versions of it that cultures have put out. But and uh, he wasn't describing it in terms of sacred geometry, but one thing that he talked about of the monad becoming or the duad coming from the monad, yeah. I realized in sacred geometry. So this is to what you're talking about. You start with the circle, the monad, and then when you make the second circle and it's at the right hand of God, which is the, your mediator. Oh, snap. Uh that you know you make that second circle and you move it to the right well now you actually have three you have the two circles but in between them is the vesica so yeah. the do the the second circle when god mirrors itself or the father the potter creator the potter the pattern the circle is the pattern because the whole flower seed of life is patterned in circles when it mirrors itself you actually get three not two because of that vesica in between. So it's like the idea that the uh, the mother, whenever the child is in its womb, the mother and the child are one. There's two in one. So that's interesting because then you have that idea of the uh, Holy Ghost, or which is the feminine or the goddess being destroyer and regenerator, that there's two persons in one person 
of the Trinity that is three persons in one person. <laughs> and then, of course, that gets confused later when the destroyer and regenerator get separated. And now you have a devil. And like at the same time, we went from three seasons to four seasons and Ooh. all these other changes uh, occurred from splitting the regenerator and the destroyer and creating a devil figure. So there's all that. Yeah, man. Sorry it took me this long because I've been like trying to find something. Uh, so back to like Sardinia and like um, uh, Monte Prama and stuff. So people type in this word or look up this. Uh, it's called Naragi, which is N-U-R-A-G-H-I. And then like Sardinia, but you will see them. They're pretty much the same Etruscan or Etruscan Phoenician structures that also the Pictish towers resemble. They're very similar. And there's even some in Spain. And like, I'm telling you, dude, book five is going to, you guys are going to like pass out from the gravy overload. I can't fucking wait, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was telling Chance what clicked for me was once I learned that Phoenician and Etruscan were Celtic and Oh, it, it undoes every it, everything that they're hiding. It all makes sense what they're covering up. It's no right. different than what that garbage they're doing with Tartaria, trying to make it seem like Europeans didn't do shit, and like we just like move in on everybody else's things, you know. And like, right. well, you there's this other garbage movement called the Black Hebrew Israelites, right? Where now everybody's stealing their fucking scriptures and shit. Well, let me tell you, motherfucker, something. Ethiopian shares 500 root words with Hebrew. Hebrew gets its alphabet from Phoenician. Phoenician is Celtic. It has zero affinity aside from a couple words and a couple sentences with Hebrew. And Hebrew is not even a historical language that was ever spoken by a historical people. So again, it's more this Tartaria garbage covering up the ancient universal empire, which was all over the Mediterranean, North Africa, and European. Sorry, I'm not sorry. And I was, I did not want to go here because I'm Italian and Venetian specifically. I, I have that Celtic Venetian blood, like that side looks Scandinavian because it's by it, like I'm biased. But the more I looked into it, the more I was like, this all makes sense now. That's why you can't have, they tell us that Etruscan is a corruption of Sanskrit. Well, how the hell is that possible when it has less letters? They, they tell us that Latin comes from Greek. But if you go back yeah, far San- enough. So let me elaborate that on, on that real quick. Just that Sanskrit with the the old Sanskrit having the 52 letters, but the same 16 base letters as the Greek that Cadmus brought, as the Celtic, as the Phoenician, as the Hebrew, that the same 16 letters are in the same order and even correlate to like the same trees and shit. Mm-hmm. So all, all of that. Uh, obviously the Sanskrit would be an improvement, not a devolution. A devolution doesn't add letters. Let me see if I can get you this gravy. So there's a quote that I just saw today as I was editing. Um, Go ahead, Gabe, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was uh, actually my, one of my more recent videos, I dropped the fact that, uh, you know, that early alphabet was 16 letters and the tower card is the number 16. It's the Tower of Babel. It's the foundation, the fundamentals. That that's, I mean that. There's going to be some big revelations related to that. But hold on to that thought. So 
this is another gentleman that conceded. He was a contemporary of like the Higgins of uh, Robert. You know, we really have a lot to, um, we owe a lot to Reverend Taylor because he, while all these other guys like Higgins weren't getting thrown in the gal, Robert Taylor was getting thrown in the gal because he exposed what a Hebrew was, right? And it's the same word. If you look at it, Obri, Ibri, Ibri, Iberian, Hebrew. The Umbrians. Umbri. And for people who don't know, Umbri are the culture before the Etruscans, which gave way to Rome. But even Betham conceded Italy was the first great colony of the Phoenicians, which improved on the state of civilization derived from their Tyrian ancestors even more than Carthage. I'm going to also drop some bombs about the Vulgate, Latin Vulgate. You have words in that that have been obsolete before the common era. So why would any, what would it benefit anyone to put words that existed and were obsolete before Jesus Christ existed, before any of that shit happened in that to make it look like a contemporary document? Doesn't make any sense. And going back to like, they in you know how they invert like we talk about like you know the shape of the 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 plane or the realm we're in they invert that well they also inverted language and so now historians can't actually research properly because they're so fucking busy trying they're so ensconced by the framework that the church and the abrahamic and you know uh the freaking hindus and the buddhists and whatever else they're all operating in this framework that's not real trying to piece together in a chronological time frame that has been totally inverted. And if you go back far enough, you can see all the writers will concede that Greek and Latin used to have the same characters. And they're like, they'll say, well, oh, well, Latin has some crude forms of Greek. So it must be like descended from Greek because the Greek is like more refined or whatever, but that doesn't mean shit. And the other thing that's crazy is the Greeks were like a maritime empire that basically they were, they were, Athens was a colony of whatever Egypt was, but they piggybacked off of the structure, the framework that was already in place by the Phoenicians who are admittedly Italian, right? Etruscans are all that Cyclopean uh, architecture and shit. It's all over Italy and all over the places that were former, formerly Etruscan. And so what you're seeing is them covering up this universal empire because it debunks everything they've taught us about mosaic history, which is a fraud because even in the framework of the most like philosophical culture, the first historians, if you will, with the Greeks, the earliest Greek writer to mention Moses wasn't until the latter part, like 270 AD of the third century. Right. So what does that yeah, mean? And of course, means if nobody legit mentioned Moses. If somebody was parting a sea in one of the most famous and well-developed parts of the entire world, you'd think that the word would get around and maybe someone would write about it. Not one <laughs> mention of the Israelites. Now, because it's not historical. None of this shit is historical. And the Israelites are, Israel is the constellations, right? Well, because Israel is Saturn. It's an old name for Saturn when Saturn was considered the sun. Just yeah, like man. Bell, just like Apollo, just like all of these other ones. So to put it in a nutshell, I think this is important is like when we talk about these things, it's not necessarily to devalue somebody's faith or something like that, but to help understand that nobody's the special boy. Nobody should get lollipops as the chosen one. That what happened with the mosaic history being introduced, like we we're talking about inverting the histories or making the histories inaccessible 
first of all, even introducing a mosaic music system to uh, throw us off the trail of how to understand the actual music and the poetry of the epics of the past. But that's the sidetrack. But Moses, right, means initiate. I mean, it's M-S-H, Mem Shen Hei. It means initiate is the same as muses (laughs) who are writing the fates or the stories or the mythos. So the mosaic history is covering up the fact that that religious system was a world uh, known around the world. People had their different versions of it, but everyone knew that they were talking about the same thing. And so Christianity kind of gets validated, not invalidated to take it out of the realm of the Bible being a history and put it into the realm of this is the one true religion because it's the system that is based on nature and what actually exists <laughs> that you can, as Higgins talks about what you can sense with your own senses tangibly rather than ridiculous mm-hmm. metaphysics and uh, <laughs> Samson being meeting a hundred thousand or a thousand men to death with the jawbone of an ass and thinking that that's like a real thing that happened. My problem is they're they're using this to destroy us and all of us, even though we're all different, like the three of us, right? We're slightly different shades, right? But we're all European descent. They're coming for us. Yeah, buddy. They have. And and when you see this now, the Tartaria thing was very recent, right? It's only the past couple of centuries. That so is, is so easily debunkable just through language. But when you see what I'm talking about, this is something that they're doing for a long friggin' time. Thousands of years, 2000 years of darkness. They're coming at us, right? They're coming for the beauty that everybody created in Europe, whether it was the friggin', um, cathedrals, everything. And they're inverting history and making it seem like we're just like this bloodthirsty people that go everywhere and colonize, right? That's why these, they use these hot, you know, hot they accuse, colonizers. They, accuse what they do. You yeah. are bad. You're eternal victim consciousness. Right. None of us had anything to do with that. And yet they'll still they, they'll right. use this shit to try to get us to give up our sovereignty and our way of life and everything else. So they can walk all over us and, you know, right. dominate right. us. Because they can't beat us. This is this is strategy of beta males who can't compete on the battlefield. So they've got to invert our minds. They've got to destroy our families. They got to turn everything upside down because that's the only way they can weaken our culture. And this is as serious as a heart attack because we're going to lose our frigging country if we don't, you know, wake up. And if I got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, I'm not afraid to do it, man. Because my family's under the gun. Your families are under the gun. This is not going to end pretty if we tolerate it. And if I've learned anything in the past, like 10 years of my life is you get what you put up with and I'm not putting up with it anymore. Yeah, man. Uh, Passion I, means suffering and suffering means allow. <laughs> brings a whole new uh, n- meaning to Mark Passio, right? Yeah. Yeah. The shining even, suffering. <laughs> even the word tolerance. Like I looked up tolerance Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Not only does it mean how much poison can you withstand, it also means uneven weights and measures. It's the how much you will allow the bank to tip the scales in their favor, which is literally mammon. Oh my God. So all this be tolerant. Tolerance is like the worst thing you could be. (laughs) And mammon is an infernal spirit of the demonic realm. So the word tolerance has a direct correspondence with one of the seven 
or seven fallen uh, demons, which is a trip to me. That blows my mind that it's got a whole spiritual dark lineage behind it. I got something that I want you guys to dig into. I mentioned it in this latest book that's coming out, but I don't, I don't know for sure. But if you could pull this up, Chance, just so your audience can see, it's really cool. It's Piazzale, which would be P-I-A-Z-Z-A-L-E space Cooperazioni, uh, which would be C-O-R-P-O-R-A-Z-I-O-N-I and then mosaics. Because you're talking about Moses, mosaics, but then you're, yeah. you're, this is in Sardinia, going back to these like Phoenician remnants. So this is like proof that, you know, this is, this is all like um, related to, uh, actually, I don't know if this might actually be in Lazio. Yeah, this is in Lazio. I'm sorry, this is not Sardinia. But it's like depicting sailors from Narbonne in france and traders interesting in- that word corpioziani it's, it's like, like corporation. corporation like is yeah. this the east india company yeah so because think okay. about it the east india company i mean this shit comes from india <laughs> yeah. now they're not talking about exporting tea <laughs> they're talking about exporting uh buddhism so they so the reason i brought this up is because there's uh sailors from narbonne uh there and now if we look at, I think it's called Narbon, the old word is Nar, N-A-R-B-O-N-N-E. Yeah, Narbonne, France. Okay, perfect. Narbonne, uh, let me see here, port. Sailors. Uh, Phoenician, sorry, I'm trying to figure out like what would be like, Anyways, let's say Narbonne, Phoenician, or Roman towns. There's, there, if you look at, okay, that's perfect. A couple of screens down. Oh, fuck, where is this? There's like old Roman towns. If you just type in like Roman and like Narbonne, you'll see like all these old Roman. But what does this even mean now? Because what we're well, seeing. Well, I mean, just look at this one, dude. The square of the guilds or corporations. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, let me see. Um, so what I wanted to bring attention to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. This is cool. So if you type in Gallia, G-A-L-L-I-A. So now we're dealing with Gaul. But remember, to be Gallic is predicated on being a descendant of one of Noah's grandchildren, Gomer, the Gomerites. So again, we're dealing with astrotheology. We can't even get like a real name of a people. But if you do Gallia Narbonensis, N-A-R-B-O-N-E-N-S-I-S. Okay. Just that? Yeah. And just type that into Google, uh, just Google search with like images and you'll get like all these like old, um, Oh, shit. Maps. You're, get, you're getting something different than me. No, there's like a... Let's mm-hmm. see here. Sorry, right, this is live. That's okay. Live um, TV. Maybe just Roman. See what happens if you add Roman to that. All right. 
But um, so while you're doing that, what I'm trying to say is now that with this language, we're dealing with a situation where they don't look like different empires descending like one after another. Like it's like it's more like branches of the same tree from the same trunk, which would be the universal empire from the Phoenicians, Umbrians, whoever, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure. There's probably somebody before the Phoenicians, right? But even if you look at dynastic Egypt, that starts around like 3000 BC, same time the Phoenicians start around, you know, uh, Lebanon and Syria and all that shit. It looks like that's what they're covering up. And these aren't like, nobody's like, it's collapsing. like the Tartarian thing is to discredit the idea of the worldwide empire. Yeah. When it's like there is such a thing that went on, but it's a different origin. So this is what I want you guys to look up now. This is like the shit that like I need you to dig into because I don't have the answer. So if you type in Helveti or Helvetii, it would be H-E-L-V-E-T-I-I. This will be fun for you guys to do some digging because I've done some digging, but like it's too speculative for me. But you guys might really be able to grasp onto this and it might produce an interesting show for you. Um, when you can get a map of them, like just maybe like an images or whatever, you'll see this region is literally on the north side of the freaking Alps. It's in the well, Swiss plateau. Think about this, dude. It's like hell vet or hell bet. El bet. It's like the house of the sun or the house of God. The hell. Well, it's get, you're about, it's about to get real interesting because Caesar observed Julius, at least Julius, whoever was Julius, there's books left behind from him. So whether he was historical or not, I can't tell you, but at least there's a lot of work that you can read that it kind of checks out at least. Unlike some, some other somebody JCs wrote it. we might unlike, unlike Augustus, like Augustus <laughs> is, I, Augustus seems totally fictional to me. And as an Italian, it's not the Italian way to assassinate somebody and then leave his heir. That's just, you know, like if you look at histor- historically, you take someone out, you got to take their whole family out. Otherwise, somebody can come claim, you know, uh, lineage to the, you know, can claim the rightful heir. So you don't want to leave anybody alive. So that, that whole story reeks to me. But these Helvetii, if you can pull that up, like any map. So Caesar noted. Uh, let's see. Uh, I can't see. Go to that black and white one right there at the top. That's an easy one for me to do. Yeah. So if you look at this bad boy, see Helvetia on the right side of the screen, right above Gallia to Salpina. See that? Helvetia, it's this tiny little sliver right there. Yeah. So these people were forced to evacuate and go find a new plantation or new home, right? But if you look there, they got mountains on one side, they got rivers, bodies of water. They were like trapped in there that Caesar noted that I was like, this, this is more like a prison than a fortress. And they had a harder time getting out than getting in. But what they noticed, um, all of their records, their like books of like law and stuff were in Greek letters. What the hell is a maritime empire doing there? Furthermore, Right, because they would need like roads and shit. And they would need a lot of time. Like, I'm not saying that Greeks couldn't have made those treks. I'm not saying that, you know, Druids, you know, former priests of Apollo couldn't have made their way. I'm not saying that. But how did they get there? And I mean, this is a long time. This is not like something you just go on a whim. And like, another thing to think about is 
they noticed that the Druids were like expert charioteers. Like they were, they had war chariots with all kinds of fucking blades and shit that were fucking people up, grinding motherfuckers up in battle. And making steep turn like they were well that's not the way that druids are depicted today whenever you know in pop culture you see like the world of warcraft druid they weren't with egyptian war chariots and shit you know i was gonna i actually that one of the names you dropped earlier dylan uh n-u-r-a-g-i yeah uh in hebrew the aleph looks like an n and so it ends are also in septenary are a one like the a so that name is almost Ariga, the charioteer. Nar- wow. Naragi is, uh, has all the ingredients of the name Ariga, the charioteer. I just thought I'd throw that since we're talking well, about chariots. Explore that deeper because you might, you might get a clue. So my question would be for you guys to dig and see what you find there. Mm-hmm. Because um, Gabe, your pattern recognition's off the fucking charts, though. Got to say, that's yeah, a good it's like one. Savanti. Yeah, man. Yeah. You got some autist in you for sure. Uh, I, I used <laughs> to play with Mercury when I was a kid. I just want to, I just want to harp on this because Caesar would have noted the Britons speaking Greek and he doesn't know, he doesn't notice them speaking Greek, but he noticed that those letters, those books were in Greek letters. So yeah. how did they get? And the reason I brought up Narbonne, France is because Narbonne, they could have got there from that port. Like if you pull that up, like uh, where yeah. France was, Narbonensis, Narbonensis or whatever, Narbonensis on the, so, uh, so, see that at the bottom? So that would have been the port right down there. And that could have, that's like, for me, that's the most likely. But all that really stands from them is then you're going to Belgica and then Britannia. But would, would, the, would the friggin' priests of Apollo and people from Britain who like interchanged with, you know, like traded with the Greeks, would they really go all their way to make, like cross that much land to that like? Yeah basically prison. So Halvetti for uh, one thing that stood out to me was half of 80, which is 40, which is the old fasty calendar. It's a, it's a, it's a Venus retrograde is 40 days. And uh, you know, we got all those biblical forties. What do you uh, got for the word? What do you got for the number a hundred? You got any cycles or any oh, interesting things? on? Yeah, 100? we were just on that this morning. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I was talking to you both separately about this because <laughs> I don't know. I looked up a couple of different things. I think it's, uh, I think it's more simple than a cycle. Okay. But I, I it just, it just doesn't seem. But I, I, I don't think that can be ignored. Hikato and Hikati. Well, yeah. okay. So just to clarify, Dylan's coming from the perspective of a lot of the important numbers and the occult are really referring to large or small astronomical cycles, you know, like your 72 years for a degree of precession, uh, yeah. 600 years for the near rows, et cetera. Well, Chance, Chance, can you uh, dig out the graphic I dropped in the, uh, in the interverse this morning? It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a whole kind of, uh, not to derail it, but too much, but you know, it's it all comes from the hundred dollar bill is kind of what got me started on this. And I took the Liberty Bell that's cracked in half and I juxtapose, juxtapose left and right. And I've got the, the bull, the image of the bull. This is, uh, you know, this is Hathor. In, uh, in some kind of like, cause I don't want to, I don't want to admit this is real. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like you're lending, you're letting them borrow your genius by doing this for them, but it's there. Well, this is, yeah. Well, Benjamin Franklin. I mean, well, that's, that's the thing is like, it's genius. not a lot of this stuff. Isn't the, they doing it. It's like some other 
force coming through humanity. Right, right. So you so you juxtapose left and right. You go right along the crack of the bell and you flip flop and you get a Hathor standing right in your face. And now this confirms. And they put the crack in the bell to like let you know this is the point to split it. Right. And this confirms old mythology that I've that I've been carrying around. You know, some people believe that the story of Christ flipping the money changers was because they were putting the bell, uh, the picture of the bull on the money. And so I see this as a fuck you to the Christians uh, symbolically. And so I bring forward the picture of the bull and then I start playing with all of the uh, phonetics of the incredible. One hundred dollar bill, and you just pull out all the fun wordplay, and it reveals this sacrificial ritual of the Hathor. And uh, you look up the image of what Hathor looks like, and she is depicted as this castration tool, which I still don't know the name of. Uh, that's Mario's jam. Oh, which I can't see that. Okay. Will you read? Just will you want to read some of that to us, Dylan? Oh, uh, but, uh, but uh, also Taurus. The word Taurus is a one hundred in the most simple of ciphers. I'm thinking about the Ood, oh, the red. Okay. Yeah. Also, the charioteer I'm is sorry, in Taurus. I, I was muted. My bad, guys. Okay. The charioteer is in Taurus. So the uh, the inventor of the wheel is in Taurus. Uh, the Auriga, the charioteer is up there. So, yeah, it goes on and on. All right, I'm unmuted. Sorry. So it said Sancto Deo Bellatucadro, right? It's an effigy of Bell or Apollo. And so Bellatircaris, right? You've seen this word, Chara. You'll see uh, it all pertains to the sun. In Hebrew, it would look like HRS, whatever. Um, or H, they would transliter HA. R-A-S. It's your um, carpenter, which is your maker, which is your Vulcan. Yeah. And it translates to um, either like, uh, so basically it says Apollo, the ancient bell. And that is Phoenician, B-E-L. Right? That's where Baal comes from, the Lord in Hebrew. In Phoenician, it's just B-L. Um, for whatever reason, the Hebrews use the iron in the middle. So it looks, it would be B-O-L. Not sure why they do that. I'm not sure why they do a lot of things, to be honest. How many times have you seen them use Aleph and they, it's an A and they put it down as an E? And you see that this freaking language is a total inversion and it's a, it's an, it's a product of a, a modern era, which is why it's squiggly. You need a, an actual like modern tool to write that. Yeah. I say that all the time. It looks like a retarded child was told to create a language. Yeah, go, yeah, 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 yeah. There's and nothing go, practical about like actual. It's not. It's not real. Like no one wrote not. that. You know, it's a. It's a code language. It's a cipher language. And that doesn't mean that the system's not in place. But it, it, yeah, it's not a historical people. It's not a historical language. And if you look at like these old languages, like the Phoenician that it takes from, or the Etruscan, they it's it, or the runes. They're straight lines or the Agam, Agmius, another Phoenician deity, which is their Hercules, if you will. It's like straight lines, right? Like it's just, it looks weird. You know, it's like every, it, because they're using a chisel or if it's in uh, wood or whatever, it's Ooh, a cuneiform. A knife is like this too. Yeah, or the cuneiform in like wet clay, you know? Yeah. 
They're not, they don't have the time to, this requires a lot of, and this is where, this is my beef with the Sanskrit and Tamil mm-hmm. because it's so pretty and like round. It requires like a serious expertise to do that shit. The average Joe and even like the bottom rungs of the priest class is not going to be having a wherewithal and the skill to do that shit. That's my, that's my take. Speaking of Tamil, which is a, a region of India, the <laughs> vowel switch there that you bring up in a God's acre that it was before it was Tamil, it was Tamul, like the I at the end was a U. So it's like they needed to change that vowel in how it was written so that it wouldn't be as obvious that Talmudic <laughs> Judaism and t- comes from Tamul. <laughs> it's like right there. That's fun. They pervert us with things like the Torah and shit like that, but it's, it's clearly, it's Greek, Pentateuch. So why no serious person that's a non-Jew mentions Moses prior to the third century, the end of the third century AD. Guys, it's not real. This is what I'm saying. Like they've inverted history. They've in by doing this. They had to do it to legitimize their right to rule the, the ruling class. Yeah. And even when I talk with my friends who are like Jewish or would call themselves Jewish, I'm like, well, what's your actual ethnicity? Like we're, and they're like, I don't know. My parents just say we're Jewish. And it's like, you guys realize you're being deprived of your fucking heritage for the sake of religion. Like, wouldn't that piss you guys off? It would piss me off. Right. It's like, every, that's the thing is like, this is the knowledge. It doesn't have to blame anybody, but it has to remove this yoke. So everyone can stop being a victim. So you can stop blaming everybody else for your problems. Right. You expect me to believe that like wandering tribes are carrying all this advanced mathematics, advanced temple building skill set, advanced astronomy, geometry all this other shit that is required for this stuff. And they're just like shepherds, herders. Oh, hell no. Bouncing around from place to place as they get kicked out. Yeah. No, not where. No, 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 no. You know, and this is the ancient universal empire that I'm, I'm, I'm getting very fucking close to it, but there's only so far you can go back. And there's a lot of shit that doesn't add up like Greek letters in weird places. Mm-hmm. at times that they were not that advanced in the, you know, there's just a lot of weird shit. What's valuable about the, your approach that also, um, you know, this is the way that I am now researching as well, as much as I, I can, is that you're looking at things that are not grappled, grappled, <laughs> like remaining artifacts that are physically there with physical inscriptions. What is it actually got on there? Language that, holds on to phonetics and key root sounds that can't really be taken away without taking away the language itself. So, you know, modern writers, modern thinkers on the occult, uh, they tend to expand the archetypes and the mythos and like give it, it sprawls, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. (laughs) The data gets bigger. Now we have big data. Uh, by the way, data is a name for Buddha. (laughs) (laughs) D-A-T-T-A, one of his many millions of names. Anyway, my point is that like when you go this other direction, going back to the most original and incorruptible sources you can, which are like the physical artifacts or the language itself, um, you find that rather than sprawling out and expanding and getting more confusing because of how uh, vast it's getting, things tend to resolve themselves into fewer and fewer archetypes that become very universal and evidently universal. 
like all these gods and goddesses, they resolve into a trinity that resolves into a, a one god. And uh, it's very helpful. You know what got me on this kick? Friggin' this collection of letters I found. Um, and it's, it's, you can't even cite them because it's written in such a way where you, there's, no, there's no way to cite it. It's, there's like no numbers, no nothing. So it's like, it, I don't know. I, I couldn't even recommend it to someone if I wanted to. But what you have is there's something that you can cite, which is this gentleman named Lionel Wafer. And he's an Irishman that spoke the Highland language, the old world. And this is in the 1600s. He got left in Panama with the Darien Indian tribe because some guy was fucking around with gunpowder and it went off and like singed his leg to the bone. So they couldn't take him with him. They left him with the Indians and before, and so they, the Indians healed him by putting like they, he said they would chew some sort of herb or whatever and put it on um, plantain leaves and then cover it. And eventually like his, his, he said you could see the bone in his leg and it regrew like with like in a short time at no time at all. And within a month he could speak their language. And the reason he could speak their language is because it had an affinity to the, the, the ancient Irish, the Highland language. Now the church people got wind of this and what, what some of these guys did who were um, in Britain, they wanted to use this. They were like the fact that these people have an affinity to the Irish language well, we can use this to prove that all men are in fact descended from Adam and Eve. So they wanted to use it for that. But what it really ended up doing for people like me is showing that, oh no, this there's people coming to America and I'm convinced uh, they're covering up St. Uh, the, the, I know St. Columba is like an archetype for the sun, his 12. I, I get that. But you have these Colum, the people, his disciples, or you have like people in Ireland, he set up, on the island of Iona, which is the Ionians from Greece. Um, you mean the Ionians? Yeah, Ionians. <laughs> yup. The Ionians. And it's St. Mary's, right? It's a freaking, like, so he set up all these um, places. So there's definitely a culture there. I think the grabble is by call, because there's no reason to call Christopher Columbus Columbus, right? Aside from the obvious dove symbolism, right? The Jesus symbolism. But his name alone is Cristo, right? Cristobel, Cristobal. Lord Christ, Colon, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, there's no reason to call it would, it would have been Colonus and they call him Columbus. And I think it's to hide the fact that America was known by the Celts and all that shit. I think it's actually Armorica, right? I think it's named after uh, Armorica, which is like France and all that, like that part of like uh, Iberian Peninsula over there, because people don't realize Iberian Peninsula was first people by Celts who were called the Turitani. And so there's a massive fraud and people don't realize Italians were Celts, right? Northern Italians still look Celtic. You know, the further South you go, the darker everybody gets because it's right in the Mediterranean. But um, all this stuff is they're They're trying to like use it to justify mosaic history, but it looks like the reality debunks mosaic history. And I think that's why they never explored that connection further but that's why i looked into it because they're sitting here like no 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 look at this this word this word lines up with scottish like they're they're literally figuring out that this language has an affinity and it's guttural the same way so you know and all the places that have been knocked down by communism in the last hundred years are places that if their history and culture hadn't been annihilated and replaced with 
what we got and what we see them as now, we would realize that like China, for example, had the same Trinity, had the same deity system. We would, it would be completely recognizable for their culture to recognize it in ours and vice versa. But now like all that stuff, the physical artifacts have even been torn down and destroyed or the, the Russians, for example, like their uh, people in, outside of the population centers, not the Orthodox Christians, but like the shamanistic cultures that were still the shaman means the one with fire. <laughs> you know, it's Guys, the same thing. Siberian, Iberian, like what are the odds? Look up Kolshis, uh, C-O-L-C-H-I-S. Oh, look, think about in it's also Pos- Iberian. This think is about Poseidon. It's Po and Don. <laughs> it's a Lord Buddha. Po is a name for Buddha. Yeah, that's funny. I never, I've never even thought of that. Yep. Nice. So, uh, Arimaricus, uh, that, that hits a note for me. I've been sitting on this thought about uh, America also encoding numerical. The, well, numerical. Do you know why I think that, though? Because I'm from New England, and I don't know if it's legit or not, but when I was growing up as a kid, there was a fucking rune stone uh-huh. literally in the bay that you could only see at low tide. And it was carved, uh, and it used the hook X, which is pre, it's pre 1300s. That was the last time they used those in commons. So there's, and there's some gravel around that. You can go see it. Yeah. It's still in Wickford, Rhode Island, but it, um, it was in North Kingstown, uh, and somebody took it. Uh huh. It disappeared. Then it came back. Well, they found guys, the hook to X on runestones and, inland even like in minnesota and shit I'm, I'm telling you i think that's the gravel with columbus it's to hide that the fact that like the celts are here and i know like a lot of these irish people they've already done this like this is not new but mm-hmm. what their their spin is that everything started in ireland the system and it's like well how come the oldest texts you have from like the fifth and sixth century or whatever are all in latin like no everything about ireland the irish they're ancient phoenicians every like go to look at look up cornwall Look up like uh, look up Karnak in fucking France, and uh, it's spelled with C's, but it's the same word as in Egypt. So, so this is a this is an interesting weave to build onto the Colum- the f- family of Columbus. Uh, I've heard them connected to uh, the Collins family, and the Collins family was hit on from multiple directions, multiple angles, multiple branches in the witch trials. And so the Collins family getting targeted back then, and today they are called the Collins family elite. And there's really something strong to say that, you know, the Columbus made the discovery and then the, uh, the Collins family got persecuted and now they're back in the saddle again. So they've ridden some sort of wave through the persecution and they are on the list of 13 families. The Collins is one of the 13. Is that families. like with INS, like C O L L I N S. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's kind of the thing is they, they clearly are changing their name to dodge persecutions, but yeah, I would, I think it is an INS at this point. Uh, Fort Collins in Colorado comes to mind, which is uh, a bunker rich countryside. Colorado's where they where all kinds of, all it's the allergies. I think though, with people having this, um, oh, it's even Colorado, Colum, Columnus, Collins family, Colorado. Yeah, very, Columbine. It's a very, it's a very colorful picture we're painting. <laughs> That's fucking wild. I never thought about that. 
Um, well, I think what's great about this perspective that we can offer people is you will no longer be looking like, I can't tell you there's so many times, like people don't realize that the crucified savior was already extant in Italy way before the time of Christ. In fact, in, in book six, cause that's what I have to do now. Cause I had like over 500 pages. I was just like, I can't do this in one book. I mean, isn't six, Krishna, isn't Krishna crucified? There, there, there are accounts of him. I haven't, I I've tried looking into that. I haven't found it, but people are saying like, yeah, he was, he was, even if you just look up the Greek Ixion, I X I O. I think most of the, most of the Bible books of the Bible that were apocryphal, I think were mostly left out because they were too readily reflected in the Krishna Krishna. And they were preparing for the future when people might like start to put that together. Yeah. And there's people that talk about there was way more gospels than what got included and stuff like, yeah, it's so, so there's, um, uh, uh, a decree that when Higgins went to, uh, Italy, he was allowed access to the Vatican library and he got his hands on a decree. And when you translate it in Latin, it literally is an order to stop depicting Jesus as the Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God, and start depicting him as a man like the saints. And this isn't till fucking 680 AD <laughs> because they had to hijack the crucified savior symbolism and the black bambino, Deo Soli, right? The sun. They had to hijack that symbolism because they couldn't destroy it because there's too much of it all over fucking Italy and Europe, right? Jesus, you think that there's any difference between that and Jesus, Jesus, the Gaulish Jesus, which is just Mars, God of war, because God, Mars was the sun before the Greeks came along and fucked everything up with the symbolism. Mars, then, which is Ram <laughs> or Rama. Rama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is what I'm saying is like, they have literally, so, so time back to what started this is people found artifacts of crucified saviors. And it's like, well, how is this possible? If this predates the common era, this has to be a forgery. And they fucking destroyed it because they thought it was forgeries, but it was actual real artifacts. So this is like why this perspective is going to help serious researchers and historians take like slow up and like, if everything has like been inverted, what am I really looking at? And do I want to rush to judgment on what this is? You know, obviously the status quo wants them to rush to judgment so they can have their mosaic history fulfilled. You know, the church can't produce anything related to the gospels prior to the sixth century, but don't worry because they found dead sea scrolls in a freaking cave. When shit like that is kept in temples, because that's right. the safest place the priest class will ever keep that shit. Right before they started the CIA. <laughs> yeah, it was just you know it was totally fine in that cave for yeah, hundreds of years, but it. the ones in our in our vaults we have to retranscribe every certain number of years because they rot. But you know the one in the cave is totally fine. And don't worry, it's written with like squiggly, you know, in a language that was never spoken. You know, so that was taken from a Celtic people, but you know, don't worry, don't worry about any of that. Cause it's older. It's literally, uh, someday they did with language, what they did with the earth guys, they literally inverted it. I'm telling you, it's the same thing. I'm freaking put my name on it. You wait, I'm going to put my name on it. And November 3rd, you better watch out. Yeah, buddy. Serious. This is because I'm sick of living in a, in a world where everybody's 
like destroying each other for nothing, for lies. Like even like those uh, black Hebrew Israelites, I'm like, they, it's like, do you guys not realize that the reason they justified enslaving you is because of your dark skin? And they said, oh, they're descendants of Ham because Ham means darkness. And Ham is cursed by Noah to slavery. His sons, his bloodline is cursed by Noah. Mm-hmm. So we can enslave you because you're cursed anyway. And they're sitting here like supporting that narrative. I'm like, guys, this is the, the, the lies. There is no Noah. There's no ham. They're allegories. Ham is winter. Ham is Pluto. Ham is Neptune. It doesn't freaking matter what culture you put it in. I can do it in every freaking language. These motherfuckers are using lies to enslave us. Right. And the sins of the father, which is not a fucking thing. The sins of the father die with the father. You know what yeah. I mean? We're, we're like holding we, on. And you're here because you did bad in another life, but you don't know, Gabe. You're just going right. to trust us and right. make sure you ask to go to heaven. Right. Fucking Blavatsky. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. And so also with um, one thing that comes up constantly as pushback against this perspective and research is that people feel victimized by their chosen favorite baseball team. I mean, culture being <laughs> like, Oh, but no, we're the special boys. Our stuff over here is authentic and cool. And like, it's different. And I like this stuff. And my version of the, the God is cooler. And that's not really what they're saying, but what's happened, I think is that over time, uh, the, <laughs> these characters, these, as people get getting further and further away from understanding what the allegory is, and tell, retelling the story more and more times, like Chinese whispers or the t- game of telephone. N- now it's like there's an entirely new version of Apollo or Artemis or I- any of the I characters and their fictional because- characters. And it's like we're fighting over which Lord of the Rings character we like more. Yeah. And, and that's cool. If you want to build your life after something Gandalf said, because it's deep, profound allegory, that's great. Just don't oh, let me say me this, dude. Historical. I did a I did a thing to like meet spirit guides one time, and you know it was a very psychedelic inner world journey. And uh, I wasn't on psychedelics, but I, I followed a process to like meet spirit guides. And you know who I met? I fucking met Gandalf, and I interacted <laughs> with Gandalf the way that people talk about interacting with Jesus or Buddha or whoever. So like, I don't, I'm not disputing that people have a a relationship with some of these characters or archetypes or like what they've become as their myth has evolved and gotten further from the original intent of the allegory. The point is to bring us all back to like a baseline, true universality of the language that is rooted in what nature actually does and what's observable in nature, which is the sky clock, which is the seasons, which is the sun and the moon and the pole star. And then like from there, our cultural differences are great. Our myth- mythoses and our stories and how they guide our morality, all that's great. We should have those differences. Those differences create charge and help us, you know, advance as humanity. But <laughs> not like it's not an attack on somebody to be like, okay, but where this name comes from of your, of your favorite character and like what the original allegory was is the same as this universal system. I'm not taking away the value that it's gained from its further development as a fictional character and its new levels of allegory. It's like, it's not just one thing. We're, we're hope, we're hopefully helping people see the origin of the system so that they're not caught in the grapple of things like you just depict said like this. Oh, they're descendant of ham because they have dark skin and thus they're cursed so we can enslave them. I mean, that shit has literally happened. 
actual consequences in the world have happened because people took allegory as literal. Chance, that story, it happened to you with Gandalf. So it's true, right? Subjectively true. I mean, I talked to Gandalf. It's true, but it's not historical. And that's what I would tell people. It's like, I'm not discounting your spiritual experiences. I'm not saying this shit didn't happen to you. But it's not historical. Okay. And that's where, that's where, that's where this, there's a huge disconnect is like people are saying, like, it's almost like they, they're worried that like you're trying to say like they're crazy or something for having these visions or whatever, or these amazing dreams where it's like they check out. No, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying it's not historical. And that matters a great deal when you're trying to find out what we are. You guys, this is the, this is it. We are in the time where we are, we are, this is the last opportunity we are ever going to have to actually be able to research our past, expose it and actually get a more accurate picture. Because, um, the reason I made books like this and I make almost no money off of them and color printing everything else, because it's getting harder and harder to find this shit online because they're changing the search engines. They're wiping everything, dude. It's, it's like, it's, it's the drivers. We have to take massive action now to expose this shit because you can already see these, uh, can already see certain sentiments getting drummed up. And a lot of people are going to get anger directed at them that had nothing to do with it. And so for me, it's like, let's expose the system. We can lift the system. You can let go of your fables. You're not a historical. None of this shit is real. Let's let it go. And let's move on. Let's heal. Let's forgive each other. None of us were alive when all this shit was happening. Get over it. Stop being a victim. Nobody owes you shit. Yeah, man. And another way to think of it too, even though we have all these different stories, mythologies, and and all that, morality, you know, is more universal. (laughs) Right and wrong is pretty self-evident. But on top of that, when I got into doing biofield work with people and sound, it occurred to me that and it's okay. This isn't like a commie way of thinking. This isn't saying we're all one. We're all identical. It's not that exactly, but that we're more the same than we are different. And that's actually helpful to recognize that no matter what is depicted in the painting, the same seven colors were used to paint it, you know, or, you know, a spectrum between those seven colors. And the same is true for these mythologies. Like, let's get to what the actual chromatic chronatic palette was that this was all depicted through it's helpful you know then we can understand each other's paintings better actually and appreciate the difference and all that but yeah it's, let's let go of what's not historical and let it be subjective let the value remain in the subjective world it doesn't take away the subjective value uh, that's it's good it's good but it's not an attack on people's personal system and personal philosophy to syncretize uh, his history this way and get to the bottom of it. Because at the end of the day, it's like must be done to abrogate the entire vampire middleman priestcraft government mind control system. And I just want to say like my whole beef is with the priest. Cause that's who did all this. Right. Yeah. And that, so if I could have done this without going at religion and just gone at the priest, I would have done that. But the more I went at this system, the more it took me to the priests and there's no, there's no, there's nothing I could do about it. And for me, it's like, well, I'm not going to back down just because I'm afraid of people like getting upset with me from a religious standpoint, because we, 
these people are demonic, man. Yeah. It feels like the information situation is, uh, it just keeps reminding me of the trash compactor scene in star Wars where the walls were closing in. You know what I mean? And they're, they're on the comms and he's screaming to uh, C-3PO to turn it off. I want to watch the scene again to see what little, you know, synchronistic nuggets might have been thrown. Like what, which trash compactor number was it? Was it like D24? Was it Walt Disney 23, 23 and me, something like that, you know? Uh, but uh, I want to ask a question. I've got this weird suspicion and it has to do with Italy, the boot of Italy. And does Italy ever experience a red tide on any of the coastlines? I don't know. I'm okay. like eligible for citizenship, but I've never even been. Okay. But something you might know, you might like, though, with okay. the Pythagoras and the Pythagoreans. You know where the first community of Pythagoreans are set up? Uh-uh. Calabria, Italy, right at the bottom of the boot. Okay. In Calabria, that's like... um. That's even uh, anatomical. What is what is Calabria? Is that it's got horses? Cali right there? Okay, okay. Calabria. Well, it's also if it's Cal, it's Car. Right, right. So it's like Cara. It's bright. It's bright. Cal is going to be similar to Kel, which the, you know the Celtics were named after because of their blonde hair. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. There's also the Phoenician Kabiri, which would be C A B I R I. And they're like um they're like the Titans and uh the Phoenician Supreme. I'm gonna I don't know if this is true, but I have a hunch that Britannia is so the Phoenicians also had a god uh Tania, which was uh had the emblem of the sun, of course, and then you have the twelve uh Kabiri. But what what you also see is um, oh. If you look this up, Chance, this will blow your audience's mind if they've never seen this. If you look up Avbury, like A-V-E-B-U-R-Y. I mean, this this freaking stone circle is literally the Egyptian triad, serpent and everything, and the globe and everything. Um, it's even on Hakpen Hill, which is Hag, is uh, C and G interchange. And that's freaking Hag snake, is Sag. Yeah, snake it's head, sage. Sna- uh, yeah. And um, pen is a common Phoenician word. There's like tons of places in pen uh, in, in Britain. Um, so this place, it used to be called Abury, A-B-U-R-I. Mm. And in Phoenician, it would look like, um, oh, I got to write this out. Aleph, Bet, Yud, Resh, Yud. And so that's going to be the strong. And there's a lot of Phoenician influence, like my Venetian family, their last name literally means the strong. There's that, that symbolism is huge amongst Italians. And you will find this repeating over and over again, the strong. That's what the word, it's the root of the word in Latin is what forts are named after. Right. In Latin. Um, So that's just something to, something to keep. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to find this. God and goddess of fortresses, Kronos and Rhea. I found it. I can't find it in the book, so I'm going to read it to you, Chance, because you said something about morality. That's Rome, Italy. It's oh, a phonetic Rome, Italy's morality. <laughs> in, in real More, quick. and that's C, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, what do you guys think of this? This is going to blow your... You got, I'm giving you material that you're going to do like 10 shows on. You just got to look, <laughs> look up Enos Moore. Have you ever heard of the Aran Islands? 
in Ireland. So Enos is a Greek word. It's well, they, I think in Ireland they say Enish, but it literally means sun and more is the sea. And that's what Dylan means. It's the son of the sea, or it means technically great tide, but Dylan is the son of the sea. It's kind of like the Noah story. Um, Inish more and look up wormhole. So I-N-I-S space M-O-R and wormhole. And something real interesting is Maur, M-A-U-R, where Mars comes from. Phoenician means Lord or Prince. So a lot of British princes. Okay. So is this natural or is this an old mining uh, quarry or something? This whole fucking island looks like it was carved up. And this is what Britannia or Bretonic uh, was for the Phoenicians. They mined the shit out of this place for lead. Let me guess, like the historical narrative is that this is somehow a natural natural thing. This is all natural for them. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So you guys need to do a deep dive and see what you, but look at like an aerial view. If you can like scroll and find an aerial view. Oh, look at that one at the bottom. Look at this one at the bottom. Bottom blue. Look at that. What the fuck, dude? I grew up on the coast of America, North America. I've never seen right angles like that. Yeah. It almost so looks if that's not natural or if that is natural, can somebody show me one other natural fallout like that where it's like right angles? It's um, a little it's a little too long to be a golden ratio rectangle, but it's close. That would be cool if it was. I think so it's too long. My lady had this idea. She's Irish actually. She's saying that they might have chiseled this shit away to make it so you can't land boats there. Cause like the whole coast is like if you look up just like uh, just Inish Moor in itself, the whole coast is like cliffs like this. And um, and so if they weren't mining it, what if that was like their natural defense to keep people from being able to, from boats from being able to land? That is sophisticated. Wouldn't that be cool? I, 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 I never cool. thought of that. She had that idea. That was fucking awesome. That's so cool. Higgins wrote uh, Chance, just because this is, this is going back to this, like, how is it possible? He said it was very possible that the moral doctrines of two races of people totally unconnected may be the same or nearly so because the true principles of morals must be the same. There can be only one true morality. Mark Passio is a good person for that. And each without any connection may originally discover the truth, but it is evidently impossible that such artificial regulations and peculiar opinions as will be pointed out, could have been adopted by two races of people without some very intimate connection existing between them. I'm talking about all this shit like circumcision that's found in like sacrifice, burnt offerings, cruelty. All this weird shit that doesn't have any power in real life. It's all like, like people say, well, there's no scientific validation to any of this shit working. It might have some sort of spiritual effect. Maybe, okay, maybe it's part of the trauma thing, whatever. But for these cultures to have all these weird stuff, it's like that movie as good as it gets with Jack Nicholson. He's got to like, you know, wash like three bars of soap, tap the counter 10 times, spin around 10 times before he can leave because otherwise his day is going to be fucked up. That's how asinine it is to have some of these rights. Right? It's hygiene. the world. And it's all these specific priest class people. The thing is, it's actually could have some serious hex power to it mm. um but they're not self-evident things in like there's nothing self-evident in nature that would say do this then that like some act of cruelty against a defenseless animal in terms of like a blood sacrifice 
would lead to generosity from the land. That does not, that's not a self-evident thing. And so. Well, with that, I would kind of argue because what they did notice is like after battles and shit, when like stuff that like things grow better where blood and shit has died. Oh, that's a good point. That might be why they would do that. But like still like favor. Or it might be because the priest gets a free lunch out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be the You better bring me that Ram. Mm. (laughs) So so yeah, all the, all that hygiene, you know, that's the, you know, that's the excuse they still use to this day is like for the sake of cleanliness. uh, For the record, I'm not circumcised and I'm fucking, I've never had any infection, whatever. So, yeah, that's what blowjobs yeah, like, are for, man. <laughs> that's what that's why like, God invented blowjobs. Like, like it's such an inversion. It's like I feel so sorry for the people that you know. So my my doctor, my uh, pediatrician, he was from England, Doctor Wallace. God bless him. He was this funny guy because he his his one of his best friends got circumcised as an adult. And he was like, dude, before circumcision, sex on a scale from one to ten was at thirteen. He's like, after circumcision, it was like a three. He's like, I couldn't feel anything. It sucked. So he took that. So he wouldn't let my parents do any of that shit to me. <laughs> so like back then, there's like three out of a hundred kids who weren't, you know, didn't get their dicks clipped back when I was born. It was like a big deal in America. Now, most people are not because they realize that it's stupid. But that all that shit, ooh, it's not clean. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, uh, this megma. <laughs> yeah. Like, the other, the, it's it's on it. David made up a word for it. And this is another just interesting point. I've been uh, really studying the the circumcision thing, uh, going in some uncomfortable places. Uh, But one thing that people may not think about, some may have thought of this, but it it puts a an appearance to the male phallus that fits a role from the book of Genesis. It gives you the shape of the serpent and it fulfills the role. And so uh, the original sin, all those things, they make sense to the indoctrinated cultures uh, because it fits the, the shape of the realm that has been edited for us to step into. So the whole thing about, you know, the snake tempted Eve and then now Eve is evil and all this, it's just, you know. And it uh, makes even more sense when you find out that uh, in the older versions of that Genesis story, the serpent is Eve and tempted Adam. Oh, so like right. Adam was tempted by the serpent, you know, yep. like he couldn't keep it in his pants or whatever. <laughs> but since you just brought that up, because one of the things in Genesis is uh, the word uh, Bereshit, but yeah, it'd be buddy. the root of that is Bereshit. Now, this is interesting because wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not even like, you don't, you only have to go back to the 1100s, right? The Targums of Jerusalem, Moses, Mimonides, right? They'll tell you that that means top, head, same with Arche, is in wisdom, not fucking in the beginning, right? And so Rashid, that root is going to be Raj, R-A-S, but it's also Raj in Rajputs in uh, India. And if you look up Rajputs, R-A-J, P-O-U-T, Put is another name for Buddha, right? So it's the royal Buddhas, right? That history, again, is another fucking thing that they can't account for. Go look at all the scholars. They can't, they don't know their ass from their elbow on the origin of the Rajputs. But 
the Etruscans or the Eturians, they called themselves the Rasena. You see that Ras. Wisdom. You'll see it in it's Arabic. It's an Ethiopian Rashid. thing too, the Ras. And, and if uh, they can't Arabics account for are Rashid. Al-Rashid yep. is like an yep. honorific for them. Yep. And so if they can't account for it but in India, but you can account for it in Italy, are we looking at shit coming from the East or are we looking at shit coming from the Mediterranean? Like, I, I think at some point it came from the East cause they just have more people. And it's like an, I just they suspect that it originally came from it. But what we're looking at in the Mediterranean, Egypt, all that shit, it blossomed into its own thing and then went back to the East. So as far as we know, that's why they don't have any history over there. Right. And you know, the, how the intimacy between the Chinese and the Romans and all that shit is really interesting. But if you know anything about the, celestial Chinese empire. They hate foreigners. They don't let people in there, right? The only time they let people in there is when the British showed up with their fucking warships. And it's like, well, we're landing in this port. What are you going to do about it? And the 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 Brahmins are the same way. The Brahmins don't want outsiders coming in and corrupting their system either. It's to their stuff. Like it's to their detriment, but it allowed them to preserve their culture. So it's like a give and take, but there was a lot of like filth and stuff. Like even reading accounts, um, on like Asiatic researchers and shit, like people who were, who were doing missionary work there in the early 1800s, like, like literally like it's a bat ass backwards culture, dude. And you expect me to believe that all this shit, all this like incredible architecture, all this stuff is in Europe comes from them. When we go back to where they come from and it's like, they've got a couple temples from like a thousand years ago, but nothing really really exceptional matching like then this if you look at egypt there is all kinds of temples there that don't have the hieroglyphics on them none of the major including the biggest and and most impressive ones this is what they're hiding up there is a pre there is some sort of culture whoever that is but uh it is admitted even by bishop like there's a bishop that admitted that that architecture that's called cyclopean right that's phoenician pelagic so they're covering up some, I don't know the extent of it, but as I bring it to guys like you who are much more versed in other stuff, like I'm not an architect. I don't, it's not my forte. I would love to go to these. Like if this gets takes off with the next month, when I put it out, I'm going to be saving money to go travel to these sites. Cause the last chapter is called universal frozen music. And I detail all this architecture all over the world that you guys can look up and start putting some things that, you know, it's not in my scope of experience to understand. Namely, are they fucking softening stones Great. to whale blubber to get them to like cut in and be, you know, and they have like a, a small window of time where then they can put them in what you see in fucking Machu Picchu in, or in like Egypt, right? Because the Inca is built on top of it. They didn't know how to do that shit. If you look at the Spanish accounts, when they're trying to figure out how the Mexicans built their temples, the Mexicans don't know. They're still using weapons made of cane. They don't have tools hard enough to do that shit. They don't have any proof or evidence of using pulley systems. The, the sharpest thing they made was obsidian hatchets and shit like that. And these things are like advanced architecture, same uh, blueprint as the temple of Belus or Jupiter, right? And uh, you're, you're seeing Greek and Egyptian influences there. And I think the reason the Mexicans trusted the Spaniards is because they thought they were the re- Phoenicians returning. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize that they had to be destroyed by the inquisition because their entire culture debunks mosaic history. And for people who don't know that look up the Jesuit accounts. They knew that the Mexicans spoke a dialect of 
corrupt Hebrew, they called it. And they said, it's because they're of the devil. Literal Jesuit. That's how they write this shit wow, off. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the devil came and gave them these things to confuse everybody and make them think Christianity was not the or an original transmission from God. Yeah, man. Anytime uh, something doesn't jive with the church, it's because they're of the devil. It's because they're demon infested. And I know mm-hmm. I can kind of do that now sometimes with like calling some of these people demon infested, but I really think they are. Demon-infested. Well, I mean, that's what they do. They're I'm not going to lie. Some of these the people left. are freaky. Like the left accuses others of what they are. <laughs> I do think we're dealing with a demon infestation. I, I really agree. I, I think the, the predator nature against like children, the inversion of everything. I think what's going on is like, with drugs, with junk food and all that shit, it's like you're you're in like a rowboat in the middle of the ocean and you go for a swim, but you get separated from your rowboat and something else from the ocean pops into your rowboat and it's like, and that's why all they care about is like, like this was the biggest thing in Hollywood is like, you guys are worth millions of dollars. You could make the world amazing. You could get rid of Skid Row. You're, what's with all you billionaires doing absolutely nothing? And all they care about is sex. Literally the most lower, lowest minded. It's like, you can already get everything you want. Why are you talking about it so much? You know what I mean? Like, it's like a real, like, it's like, they know, like, if we get back into this fucking vessel, we can do the pumpy pumpy for another, you know, couple decades before we have to find another host. Like, it's like, they're so scared to move on from this world that when they get into a body, they just like, that's all they can think about is the pumpy pumpy. So, I did That's a anecdotal. I'm not making a claim. I'm just saying that's no. what it seems like to me. Okay. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to totally fulfill some of the crazy on that, man, because uh, a long time ago, I did a breakdown on uh, Barra Sheet, just rookie style, uh, slip shod off the top of my head, letter by letter. And I got uh, what came through to me was uh, to eat the placenta. Long story short, letter by letter, it's like crush with the teeth, crush the head with the teeth. uh, And I forget the rest, but like, uh, which is profound because it's at the initiation, it's at the beginning. Uh, So we're having wisdom, obstetric practices, eat the wisdom, eat the wisdom of the elders. I think that the placenta is the family tree. And I think I know that it has been medicinally weaponized and put into a whole new grade of drugs that is bringing in a dark spirit, a very dark spirit. But I want to point out also, Barack Hussein Obama, his first name is bringing forward the Barbara, his first and his middle name brings forward the Barhashit. And that's not really his name. That's not what that dude's name is. That's the name he's wearing. That's the persona he's donning. And so I do believe that the elites at the very, very high levels are uh, consuming drugs that are infused with sacred fluids and that there may be some very dark results from that. Well, they always have. I mean, and menstrual blood was also especially of uh, and also the, the blood of the afterbirth. They, it was called the Starfire. It was, was like a highly like the tree of life anyway. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So there's something to that too in terms Guys, of, I got some kind of knowledge for you transmission. That you've danced around. You're going to have a revelation with this latest book. I'm not going to tell you, but you've danced around this. <laughs> and it's why all these sun gods, they're all related to bringing forth they're all there's always like a father of the letters, right? Whether it's thought, right? Whether it's 
Lieber Pater, the book, mm-hmm. the father of the book. There's a bigger revelation that you guys, I haven't heard you say, but you've danced around. I'm is not going to say is it. it but, is it the but, labor, the fruit of the labor? Well, let's just say, you know, they're hanging on world trees whose fruits are the stars. It's all related to everything, but they always bring forth letters. And what is uh, alpha in he, uh, Phoenician? The tree trunk. So I'm just leaving. Just a tease. <laughs> just to give you get, the, and the, the wheels it, are going to be spinning. It's all placenta for me, man. Even Antarctica is placenta. <laughs> you look at the shape of that continent, the the shape of that continent, it's a freaking placenta. Oh man, Every, everything is though. And that's a big deep part of the fractal is uh the birth because the initiation of the birth point is so important to the rest of the life. I mean, I run into it in people's biofields all the time. But guys, Jesus, let's uh, let's Jesus was the word, the logos. <laughs> letters think, letters words. Yep. <laughs> we'll leave that riddle and uh, land the plane and I'm excited to get my hands on the Holy Sailors dude and I was hoping to beat you to it but I'm about 85% of the way through the audiobook for a God's Acre so that'll be coming very soon too for you guys out there yeah, uh, fire. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah uh, Dylan give them where they can find your work so any like reputable bookstore, I got them all. You guys like, oh no, we'll do it real quick. Fantasy. You guys talking about how come nobody makes red pill fantasy? I got you. Tale of Venora. I don't have book three on me right now. I'd like to get back into writing oh, fantasy because cool. that, that's where I, I really want to make films and stuff that like incorporate this stuff and just, you know, I don't really like the nonfiction, but then I've got, um, get mad or get realistic for those of you who need to turn it around. Don't know where to start my social proof. Go look at it on YouTube. You can see what I attract and they come after me guys. I don't pursue any of them. Spirit world. We got five books coming pretty much. We've got book one, which is the definitions definitions. Get it. Book okay. Two, I got to ask real quick. I got that from George Mackle. There's a there's a oh, mask on there's a mask on the cover of mine and that book came out way before the masquerade. So I swear I had no advanced nor- knowledge. What I thought, what Dude. I was thinking is I was into like I'm into Assassin's Creed because they do a lot yeah. of red pill drops. So I'm like, this is what's going to come to you in the middle of the night, son. You keep <laughs> on this route. You push me hard enough. That's what I'm going to be looking like in your bedroom. Ninja so says. it had nothing to do with the Wuhan way. What people thought about it. people are like, oh, he's in the club. I pointed no, out no. Well, well, I was on an airplane and a fella next to me was ease reading on, on it when I was reading it. And so I started talking with him and he's a, he's a computer programmer. We just kind of small talking and I'm like trying to get, you know, get him into the shallow end. And then I realized while I'm talking to him, wait a second, Dylan's got a mask on, on the cover. And this was released years before. And it I just swear freaked it wasn't me. That. It, it, no, it no, I'm, I'm because... in the, I like Assassin's Creed. That's what that was from. It was not, I swear, it was not, uh, you'll see, I, I, I refer to Assassin's Creed a lot in these books over because they, like that, that expansion pack was called the Hidden One. 
just yeah. Jupiter, right? So then we got Black Soma Magic. This is what you want to get if you want to learn the legal system and astrotheology. Then you got the July's End with Black Swans. That's going to be learning about hieroglyphics. You're going to be learning, and that's narrated by chance. So you can go support him. And, yeah. uh, you know, I try to take people with me. You got uh, the fourth one, which is God's Acre for Wounds of the Soul. And I'm going on Crow at the end of the month on Sawain, baby. And uh, we're going to do some deep diving into the Holy Sailors. Wow. And I call it the Holy Sailors because uh, they were called Di Pelagi, which means the Holy Sailors, because this people, priest class, whatever, piggybacking off the Phoenicians, went everywhere with the use of letters. And that's how they maintained a tactical advantage over everybody, because they could change the laws that blended with the religion and nobody else could do anything about it. Sounds familiar. And we're right back there. So yeah, we got man. like our forefathers got like 50 years of not being in that system and paying no taxes on their property. And that's right. like the big deals. Like my grandmother had to go to a nursing home because she couldn't afford to pay her property taxes. We had to sell her house, you know? So it's like, why should old people who've already paid their houses off have to leave because they can't work anymore? And that's because of this system. That's what's up, bro. That's what's up. Uh, Bob Marley, he said it, you know, good God. It's a literacy, the only machine to make money. And that's the way it's been for a very long time. We're bringing it around. We're catching up. I'm digging it. Beautiful, guys. And this is, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. it yeah, really this fun. was great, Dylan. I was just expecting to like you. hang out. Like I was like, I'm not even going to talk about anything. I just want to hang out. Like, oh, yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, whenever... Like, this is automatic. Great. I actually always <laughs> wanted to get Dylan and, and slick talking with each other. Cause you guys both have such fantastic. Yeah. He's on another level. Like he's got like very savant like <laughs> it's the wild free association. I mean, it's sometimes it's a, sometimes yeah. it's a miss, but there's a lot of hits and some of the hits are like, Holy shit. That is a hit. <laughs> When I was a kid, you when got I was a swing. Kid. You got to swing. Even the best yeah. baseball players only hit once out of three times. Exactly. That's so true. Yeah. When I was a kid, my uh, my martial arts instructor, he insisted that I carried on casual conversation during kata, and I didn't realize what he was doing there. He was fusing my mind and my body, and so then I go on for most of my life as like an athlete and a you know a laborer, and I realize I fucking think the best when I'm working my ass off and he really did. He crossed some wires in me and I spent a lot of my life thinking and busting my ass and thinking and busting my ass. And I know which I did the most of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one of the things like uh, Emperor Valens, he didn't like the monks because he was like those monks of Egypt. They're lazy idlers. And you know what they say about idlers? Idle hands are the devil's playthings. So he made them join the army. He made the, he literally made all those, he swept up all those lazy monks from Egypt. The problem is with the monks. And idolaters too. And who are the monks in the the system now? The freaking Jesuits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, well, we got to close it off. You're you're opening up doors. There's so much. Let's do this this again, guys. Let's do this again for sure. I'll hop on anytime you guys want. Right yeah, on. it'd be fun, and and maybe like the three of us and uh, Mario would be cool. I That's mean, it. I mean, there's a lot of people we could bring in, but four yeah, seems to be a magic me. number. All right, guys. Well, we'll take uh, we'll take it off for now, and love you all. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a fun one. <laughs> See you on the next one. Oh, let me announce. Speaking of Mario, we are yeah. doing a live interverse on Sunday night. Me and Mario, we're going to be decoding 
this crazy artwork from this ancient esoteric book uh, with the, the, the muses and chaos are kind of the theme going into this. And uh, Mario's given away a print of the, the plate that we're analyzing as well. So stay tuned for that, but it's going to be Sunday night at 8 PM. Like uh, all the interverses I've been lately. And uh, thanks Dylan. Thanks Gabriel. It's been awesome. And at Pat, thank you. Feels like that was a long time ago, but Patty McNasty. He crushed too. He was totally crushing. <laughs> this is like a, a really nice meal. This episode, you have like the, the body stuff, the practical stuff, and then like the esoteric out there stuff like this. is Perfect. It's all, all related right. body, soul, mind. It's all one thing. Everything's everything. All right. Good night, everybody.